sorry, I just came across an article about Nightcore, which talks about uh, perfume. Oh, hell yeah. Fucking, I remember high school. Nightcore yeah. was terrible, but like, you know. Why are they talking about, why are they talking about Nightcore? Uh, why are they talking about perfume? Sorry. Oh, they're, they're just talking about the mid-2000s when J-pop became a thing over here. Oh, okay. And that's how Nightcore started happening. I do have the Nightcore version of Bring Me to Life here, which is... Well, this is not Night... Like, I don't think Nightcore's playing at a double speed. Yeah, it's, it's... it's The tenets of Nightcore is you play it faster, higher pitched, and then put an anime lady behind it, and then that's right. it. Is this what 100 Gex is? What the fuck is that? <laughs> you, mean the, you mean the band 100 Gex? I, d- I only recently learned it was a band and not some secret code word that the youths use. So yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm actually, I've heard of 100 Gex, so I've not listened to any of 100 Gex. This article is not explaining to me what the tenants of Nightcore are in their view. It's faster, higher, and there's an anime lady. That's it. Okay. Let's let's look at this hundred gex thing. Hang on. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. What? This is terrible. Okay, send me whatever it is you're listening to. Oh my god. It's like it's like what happens if someone took that like bass boosted meme and turned it into music? I mean that explains a lot of it. Jesus the, the areas Christ. where I see people talk about it. So that's that's the song I'm, I I like. I just typed in hundred gex at the yeah, YouTube. Yeah, Money Machine got. was the one that. Jesus Christ! Oh wow! The really scary thing about this is I don't know if this is ironic or not. I had no idea. It's it's. I think for something like that, either the people doing it have to know what they're doing, or. Like, like, as in, they know it's ironic and they're doing it because of that, or they really don't, and they're just doing it because they think it's good. Like, there's no in-between. Like, yeah. It is the 15th of September 2020, and this is the Game Engine Start podcast. My name is Ewan. My name is Callum. And I really appreciate that the world decided, you know what 2020 needs? It's more fucking climate change. As we oh, watch, well, yeah, yeah. as more of the US is on fire, and we're getting, we can't decide whether we actually want to go into autumn or whether we want to stay in summer or just bypass it completely and just rain constantly. I. I mean, yeah. we we in the West, well, I was going to say the West of Scotland, we're not in the West of Scotland anymore. No, uh, Scotland general. Get, get like maybe a week of summer. It's not, it, it's not yeah. like whether or not it decides to go into fall, it's whether or not it decides to have a summer. Yes. It's a thing. And we got maybe two weeks of it. There were two weeks there that were really nice. Yes. And you could like sit outside and it was great and everything. Yes. Well, theoretically, uh, you could sit outside whether we well, actually yeah. did or not. The- Theoretically, but there was the virus that came that didn't uh, let us sit outside. That yeah. was that was good. Um, Instead, what happened was I was exceptionally glad that we bought a fan two years ago that we just sat and died inside while that was going. Yeah, but, you know, we sat and baked inside. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, 
Um, yeah, yeah that's, just like you, it's watching. You, yeah, watching all the stuff that's happened in America, as if America didn't hard, have it hard enough, right? Totally. Now, like the, them doing the like, entire West Coast is now on fire. Like them doing the, like Blade Runner twenty forty two cosplay is really scary. Yeah, like that drone shot video is pretty terrifying. Yeah, when you it's, put the it's, right music over it. It's something else. Um, like what was it? What was the thing I saw yesterday that like there are now two states. In the top five, like levels of least air quality in the world, like up yeah, there, it's up, like up there California with... and uh, the one above California that I can't remember. Portland, California, Portland, and then it's Portland. Delhi and uh, one of the uh, was it China or Vietnam? I can't. One of the one of the I, I think I it know. was something like that. But it was just like numbers that nobody's ever seen before, and it's like yeah, mm, cool, awesome. This is it's, exactly it's seen the the. Like on Twitter and stuff like that, pe- people posting shots from their phone where it's just kind of like, well, I guess I'm not going outside because they've got a big red message that is like, it is dangerous to go outside because yeah. of air. Yeah. You're like, oh no. Like in a situation where you can't leave your house, not because of a virus or a pandemic or anything like that, but because the air is too bad. Yeah. That the it air would kill is attacking you. you. Like, but the air is attacking yeah. you for a different reason than it was a month ago. Like, yeah. Now the air is scary because it's filled with stuff that will hurt your lungs totally. as opposed to things that will infect you and cause you to die. And then hurt your lungs. Like that. Yeah. And then hurt your lungs. Oh. But yeah. It's just... It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Thoughts go out to the West Coast of oh America because yeah. it's like, terrible it, it out there. It seems like a nightmare. Um, mm. And then like watching the conversation happen, happen around how a bunch of these fires started and that whole side of this is Oh, just... the, gen- the gender reveal party. Yeah, Oof. that was... Like... It's, it is this... Is this crystallization of a bunch of fucking nonsense that is just yeah. like, which ha- which then goes on to have real world consequences that shouldn't like this should that should be a thing that has zero effect on anyone that is not directly involved in it, but instead it's created yeah. this nightmare for a lot of people, and it's like, well, the like the thing in the first place is already debatable and then you're like oh and also we've set fire to a bunch of forest and you're just like what? oh yeah like oh. Gen- gender reveal parties as a concept probably shouldn't happen you, because they're you, fucking stupid anyway did you see the, did the, you one, see the... the ones where you have fireworks and then you decide to have it near some trees that you know could catch fire and then fuck up the fireworks so did you like see that's... somebody interviewed the person who started the 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 con- the idea Oh, I don't actually see that. I didn't know they knew who it was. Yeah, That's, so they, okay. they found the first person, or the, the person who like popularized it, or whatever it was. Like, it, oh, like, you mean you mean gender reveal parties, not the person that started the fire? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> sorry, I mean just sorry. Yes, gender okay. reveal parties specifically. Um, she had very. I'm not going to go into because it it's quite a sad story actually, but like she was entirely legitimate about the thing she did, and she is now looking around and completely regrets the decision. Like hundred sure, percent, yeah. it it yeah. It I'm was... sure. I'm sure when you see when you see like the the thing that was going around last week of that couple that spent like thousands and thousands of pounds to have a gender real party at the Burak Khalif in oh Jesus uh, really? Dubai, like the most the, the most expensive building in the world or whatever. Yeah, yeah they spent yeah, yeah. so much money just to have a gender real party on top of it. Whew. It was mental. Yeah, I mean, at least then you're isolated from the rest of society, right? Like at least True, nothing can yeah. go wrong there. You can't create a nuclear explosion somehow. Like people are just going to start, like trying to outdo each other. Like, okay, we what brought the reveal party. Yeah, like we brought an actual cannon. Like what? 
an actual cannon that fires either a red, a uh, blue, or a pink ball, and that's yes. how you'll tell. You have to be quick because you have to see it come out. Yeah, the cannon. exactly. But, oh, here we go. We're, we're going to fire the cannon directly at the father, and then they're going to catch the ball, and then that's going to say, "Going." We're going to th- shoot it into space. We're going to drive this car off a cliff, and then the color of the explosion when it hits the ground is oh. Yeah, I got Michael Bay to direct my fucking gender reveal party. We're going to get CGI Transformers to spell out it's a boy on Megatron. Uh, and the gender is... Yeah. Like, no. Um, we're going to get we're gonna yeah. get Michael Bay to do it. It's going to be like the ending of Bad Boys 2 where you think the party's over and then somebody says shit just got real and then there's another hour and a half of a party. This is a spinning camera shot of the... I yeah. fucking love Bad Boys 2 oh, so much. So it's weird. such a ridiculous movie. Did um, you see... Oh, sidetrack. Did yeah. you see the the interview? I think it was with Michelle Rodriguez or somebody to do with the new Fast and Furious movie where they're seriously considering going to space. I saw that like, headline and didn't click on the actual... They are going that far with it where like, it just, is... The, the joke is that when things go to space, it gets terrible because totally, yeah. like, every movie that went to space is terrible. But... Fast and the Furious has pushed the envelope so much to where they were fighting off nuclear missile attacks in the last movie, like, where space is the only place they can go. Like I mean, it is... that was always going to be the problem with that thing. Like as I, as somebody who's never watched any of them, or maybe watched like oh, fifteen minutes of one of them. But like, oh, they're great. But that for, that first movie was a legitimate like street racing. We've stolen a bunch of money and need the to first, do something with it, right? Yeah, the first like three are like legitimate street racing movies. Like they're all just about like infiltrating the street gang and then like uh tokyo drift's just about like oh i'm fighting against my parents and then all oh, this girl that i like is in and a then, shit relationship so and then they became the 80s and then yeah then four happened and four became a heist movie and then it just escalated from there to the right. point where you're like fighting tanks with supercars on a highway Totally. Which is one of my favourite scenes in that entire series because it is fucking mental is that, is that the one with the is... safe on the end of a chain no, that's five. That's the one in Brazil where okay. it's like four supercars all pulling a safe out of a bank. No, no, no. This is like six or seven where... So the, the setup for it is that there's a... They, they've like put... A, basically, they've built a tank out of a car the bad guys have. Mm. And they're, they're driving it and the good guys have to stop it. So they're fighting the tank on a highway. They have supercars. This guy has a tank that's also a supercar. And they fight for a bit, they do crazy shit, and like somebody like grinds over the, the railing in the middle, it's like mental. It would destroy a car if you did it, but it was really funny. Right. Uh, and then they like get to a point where someone's on top of the tank and they open the hatch to see who's driving it. And it's Michelle Rodriguez who's been dead for three movies, and she's wearing an eye patch for some reason. And huh. like that and that's the big reveal is that oh shit, she's alive and she's a bad guy now. And huh. yeah, so it's just this escalation thing that happens constantly. And like, my favorite thing about it is that so the Fast and Furious movies go like, here's the bad guy, we beat the bad guy, here's the next movie, the bad guy's now a good guy, which is now how they have like The Rock on their side and then Jason Statham on their side. And the best thing about it is the last movie, the main villain was Helen Mirren, which means in the new one, right. Helen Mirren's going to be a good guy working with Vin Diesel. And it's, in space. it's insane. It's going to be so good. I cannot wait. It's going to be insane. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I should probably watch them at some point. 
You should watch those movies. I will watch all those movies with you. Like, we'll do it oh. in a weekend. It'll be great. Oh, oh God. Jesus. Okay. I did. I, I remember seeing the trailer. You need, for... you need a lot of alcohol. You'll need oh, yeah. a lot of alcohol, but it'll be very good. I remember watching the trailer for the latest one where I can't remember exactly how mm. it happens, but the fact that one of the cars fires a wire and then basically Spider-Man's their way around the cliff. Oh, yeah. It's like... Yeah, the, the, the new one where it's like a grappling hook and it, like, fires. <laughs> like, yeah. It fires onto an already falling bridge and that yes. somehow still gives them momentum to, like... Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's good. It's going to be I... great. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yes, Speaking of very excited, let's talk about video games because okay. I can't talk I'm less about excited about because I can't talk about wildfires or Fast and Furious anymore. And no, okay. 2020's bingo card continues to be the most fucking bizarre thing ever. Um, so what we've we been playing? Let's take some turns about. So I <laughs> actually yesterday when I was about to go play something else and got the notification that all of the episodes of Tell Me Why had been released. Which I had forgotten. Oh, I thought they were. I thought they were doing it. I thought they were doing it like month at a time. I thought they were every two it. weeks. They were doing an episode. And oh, it's every two weeks. Okay. So I missed. Well, I was told it every two weeks, but I, I'm sure I played that first episode three weeks ago. So I'm sure you could look back in the podcast 20, and figure 20, that out. Twenty seventh, it came out, which was there, and then that's been one. Two, yeah, maybe it was every week. Maybe I missed it. Okay. Every oh wow. Okay. Make sense. But yeah, all three episodes of that thing are out. I've played the first two. Um, so this is the new game from Don't Nod, the Life Strange people. Um, yeah. And the... What's the other thing they did? Shit. Um, uh, Life is Strange? They did Life is Strange, but they did something else recently. Um, didn't they? I, I don't remember what Don't Nod did. Christ, anyway. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the Don't Nod correspondent. That's true. I don't care about sad teenagers. Like, like, so it's, it's the Life is Strange people who have put out the new game. Um, it is... It is really good, and it's good in a way because it, well, it doesn't stick too hard to the Life is Strange formula. Like it is a very separate thing. Where like mechanic- so, it's not about sad teenagers. No, it's actually not. Like it's, it's a mu- the, this. Well, what's the best way to describe this? So there's a couple of things that separate it from Life is Strange. Like uh, mechanically, it's basically very similar. It's. Uh, 3D, uh, 3D adventure game with dialogue mm-hmm. choices and all of that kind of stuff, but they're going for a very different thing. It feels like if they're go- they are going for one is like realism and in inverted commas, where like Life is Strange felt a lot like a both visually and like in terms of the way it was kind of laid out as a kind of like I don't know. It always came across to me as like very kind of watercolory. Like there's there's like there's a dreamlike sure, element yeah. to Life is Strange. Oh, that, um, Life is Strange is also paranormal. Like it's about time travel and stuff like that. Like I it's mean, got yes. strange superpowers and stuff. But, I mean, especially especially one and Beyond the Storm. Like they felt very yeah. like, kind of. It felt like a dream sometimes. Two slightly sure, less yeah, yeah. so because it was dealing with like a lot more. Yes, there was paranormal stuff in it, but like it felt a lot more kind of like anchored into current events. Let's say. Tell me why it goes in a different, slightly different direction where it's not about like. It's not necessarily about like the state of the world. It's it is really a story about the two main characters and them grappling with their past. So the setup for it basically is that there's it's Allison Al- uh, and Tyler who are brother and sister. Um, so, Did we really not talk about episode one before? No, because it didn't come out oh, okay. since the time we last recorded. So sure. 
So Alice and Tyler are brother and sister. Um, they are dealing with. I'm trying to say how much I should actually talk about. This is very early. Probably on. not. Probably not, not much. Event. But basically, they are they are dealing with the death of their mother and the implications that that has had on this very small remote town in Alaska where they grew up. So the game's set in Alaska. Sure. Um, and Tyler has been in a juvenile home's the wrong word, but like a rehabilitation center almost um, for, for sure. 10 years. And this is him getting out. Um, and the plan is to go to the house where they grew up sell the house so that both of the siblings can go move on with their lives and they're not tied to this town anymore where a bunch of right. drama happened. Sure. Um, while Tyler was away at the juvenile centre, he transitioned um, and this is the first time he's reintegrated back into the town um, as Tyler. So there's a bunch of that in there. Um, oh, Okay. So, um, and they deal with it, as far as I can tell, they deal with it pretty well. Like, there's a lot of, it would be very easy to do this as Tyler's transition being the focus of the story, where it doesn't, that's, yeah. that's not, that's a part of it for sure. And yeah, that's a part of it for sure. But a lot of it is like dealing with trauma and grief and how you deal with, um, that kind of town where everyone knows everyone's business and like who is talking about what. And the really interesting thing that they do mechanically that actually goes above, above the, the normal part, the paranormal stuff is because you're playing the two main characters. So wait, there is paranormal stuff in this game. Kind, yeah. Kind of. It's not, kind par- of, okay. it's not paranormal like telekinesis basically because they are twins they can talk to each other like psychically almost. Oh, okay. Like sure, that's sure. that's right. the whole setup. But and then the other part of it is that they can it's unclear whether it is actually like a special power or whether this is just a visualization of them coming to realizations, but they can certain things will trigger memories in the world where they can both focus and see the memory play out in like this kind of hazy like dreamlike like they almost look like hologram style, like here's what happened. Right, yeah. But the mechanical thing about it is that's really interesting is that there are parts of the story where they will remember certain events differently. Where so like there's a scene in the one. Sorry, I was are you playing are you playing as both of these characters at given points of the story? You directly control only one of them at each but you, right, you, play, okay. you, you switch between them as the story goes on. You switch between them though, okay. But sure. they're never really separated. Like you're always having this conversation they're always both both there, and you sometimes have these conversations um, in person. Sometimes you're having them psychically, but you're always having them there. But the thing is that they can both remember core parts of this differently. So, right. for instance, the this, the episode um, that played last night, um, they witness an argument where one of the people in the argument is either... A, one of them saw it as, as them being angry... And one of them saw it as being, um, like grief stricken, and there's a subtle difference in there where it's like, depending on how they interpreted what they saw, like there is a truth theoretically, but what they saw yeah. as children, they interpreted it differently, and they basically show sure. you both, and then you pick one as like we're th- between us, we are going to go as this one, 
as the the kind of this is what uh, we're okay. going to and believe as true. You, you pick as a yes. player. They show you both. Okay, right. They show you both, and then you pick one. And the kind of Life is Strange had this as well, where like there would be, especially two. Some of the decisions would like cr- create a rift between the brothers, and some would actually bring them together. And they weren't necessarily like you always want to choose a decision that brings them together. Like sometimes you do want to push like the independence thing and you want to say like no this is you and all this kind of stuff like there are definitely that still happens where choosing one of the um choosing one of the the interpretations will be the two of them kind of supporting each other and the other one will be them having different like choosing choosing to disagree on something and it's a it's a visual like they have two different icons for what that means and it's very unclear how that is going to affect the overall story because there's some pretty giant interpretations that could play out very differently that I've seen so far, the decisions I've seen so far, where you're basically saying, like, there are some decisions that are like, you're accusing this person of doing something pretty fucking bad, or you're not. And how that implement how that affects the rest of the story is currently unclear. But it's it's a super interesting mechanic, and they're definitely going for like the supernatural part is not the story; it is everything else that's happening, and they're definitely yeah. doing they're doing some really really interesting stuff. It also looks really nice; like it's probably the best looking thing Don't Not have done. Like again, it's moving away from like the kind of almost watercolory style of Life is Strange to be very realistic. Well, yeah, very realistic, and also it's set in so it's set in Alaska, like this remote town in Alaska. Um, so like their snow tech is really nice actually like it's really robust like their footprint stuff is really good the scenery is gorgeous there's all these like very detailed have they they fixed the faces totally 100% like these are yeah these are I mean they fixed them in two like to be honest but this is them like yeah this is really the the emotion and lip sync and stuff is all like it's 100% on on the money now um and yeah, like the only other thing is like they're definitely doing the thing where they're letting you they are more happy for you to miss stuff, I think, now than they were before. Where it would be sometimes it'd be very clear about like hey, you haven't got everything in this area, you need to go back and search some more. It seems like here very much it would be very easy to go, I'm fucking done with this and leave. Um leave an area without actually finding the thing you're there to find it feels like again like all of these games have always been kind of smoke and mirrors about how where the branching paths actually are but this one it feels like it feels like there are more potential paths for this to go down than um than you would expect and i don't know how many of them are actually handled and how much of them are just fake i'm not entirely sure but it feels it feels like it is reacting to the stuff you're doing and the writing's really good. Like the characters are both really, really good. It's the amount of effort that is involved in. It's very easy to look at games like this and say, like, because it's just walking around and talking to people and making dialogue decisions. That there's not like there's a lot of craft that's gone into this. Like the start of episode oh, two. Of course, yeah. The start of episode two is a scene where um, Alison and Tyler are like they're basically pillow fighting, and it keeps cutting between them as children and them as adults like 
interchangeably where they'll both be on screen at once and it's a beautifully shot little bit of stuff and like it's just there, there's some definite craft involved in this thing like for sure um and actually the one other thing i will say is the without getting into story stuff there is a so when they were children they made like a storybook um, that was how, because they didn't really have a lot of other, it was a small town, right? And they didn't have a lot of other friends. They were basically just there for each other. So they wrote this storybook where they write these stories about the two of them as as the goblins, which is what they call themselves, and their adventures and this thing. And it is this beautiful, like, scrapbooky thing that you have to page through and becomes puzzle elements as well. But it's like a, this really big storybook with like these like lots of text and stuff in the stories, and it's beautifully made and created, and you have to flick through it quite a lot. It's a really nice way to tell the story, um, and yeah. it's really nice stuff in there actually. Um, yeah, I can't go into too much without um, going through the story, but definitely like it's only three episodes. Um, the reveals have been. Life is Strange tended to have sometimes have the problem where the episode itself wouldn't have much in terms of like story or like big story reveals, and then they would end with a cliffhanger where they would do a bunch of it. Like this one has actually been like because it's only three episodes and they kind of compressed it down. There's a lot of really important stuff happening, and the cliffhangers have been like, oh shit, okay, big deal things. Um, so yeah, it's it's very good. I mean, it's. Even if I don't think if you didn't like Life is Strange because it was too like teen drama y, like there's definitely more here for you, probably. I think if if like if you didn't like like the young adult fiction part of what Life is Strange was, like this is a different type of story that they're telling and it's worth a look, I think. It sounds sure. it sounds more interesting than Life is Strange. Totally. Like the, the the problem that I had with Life is Strange was more of like I I I hated that Life is Strange was a movie a uh, movie a mm-hmm. uh, game all about people talking to each other and people didn't look like they were talking to each other. Yeah, that was my problem. But yes. if you're saying if you're saying that this looks better, yes, then it's for sure. I, I can probably play it. Then I mean, I'd also say that about two. Like they nailed it with two because because with two they they fixed the 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 facial stuff and the lip syncing but also like that game looks fucking incredible like two looks really nice at points and this goes this cap rather than trying to be like um stylistically different with with what they did with life is strange like this is just set in a gorgeous part of of the us right and they've really captured it exceptionally well um and just a lot of detail to things and a lot of yeah, it's it's a really good, it's a really interesting story. I'm fascinated to see how they clear it up. Like, there's a possibility that they if they're not done. I thought it was three episodes. Yeah, right? I just haven't played the third one yet because I when I ah, okay. I booted up to play the second one and discovered that both of them were out. And I was like, okay, I need to not. And also, they do the really good job of like they don't just because I've never played one of these games after they're all out, after all the episodes are out. Like, I usually play them like as the episodes come out. So. Yeah. I played it yesterday with two and three out, and when two finishes, it boots you back to the main menu and goes like, "Do you want to start the next episode?" So it does that, which I think I actually really appreciate. Um, so yeah, that's tell me why it's on PC and console. 
Um, all the, like I say, all the episodes are out. I think it's twenty four ninety nine. At the last time I checked, I will check that in a second. But um, yeah, it's super good. It's it is a donut game, but it's like it's a different type of donut game. I think than than or it's telling a different type of story than they have traditionally, and to the point where I think yeah. it's worth a look. Even if the if the narrative part of Life is Strange maybe turned you off, there's there's something to look at here for sure. Sure. Um, cool. So let's let's talk about something that you've been playing. Uh, yeah um let's go with this uh so on tuesday and inexplicably and i don't i still don't quite understand how this happened um thq nordic bought the rights to kingdoms of amalur which is uh which is not obscure because it's got a lot of history behind it um that they they bought the rights to it and nobody knew what they were going to do anything with and they remastered the first game which is Kind of Zamalur Reckoning and is now Kingdoms of Zamalur Re-Reckoning. Reckoning, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is a really hard name to say, but uh I'm just so I'm just gonna call it Kingdoms of Amalur for now. Um which is really strange because it's a game that when it came out went kind of unappreciated, not unappreciated, but like underappreciated, mm. and not a lot of people played it, which is kind of the problem one of the many problems with that game. Um I was actually I was actually talking to someone yesterday about it, um, who's actually from Rhode Island, right. and if you know the history of Kingdoms of Amalur, oh, right. with the that whole was that Kurt game. Schilling thing, that was that yeah. game, right? With the whole Kurt Schilling thing, where he took money from the government and then couldn't pay it back, and then there was a whole thing that basically killed that studio. Um, it, it apparently had like knock-on effects for the state, yeah. Where where people that live there and are from there still talk about it with like seething hatred to this day i'll bet like, i'll bet it was enough of a controversy i was because I, I was talking were, he was asking me it was like oh how's that king of the game and i was like yeah whatever and then he was talking about it's like i, I kind of interested but i can't buy it out of principle totally, i was like yeah. what do you mean i was like well kurt Schilling kind of killed our state for a bit we're like oh okay yeah. apparently it had some really deep-rooted shit which is fair yeah. enough i need to go back um, and actually look at that story um and figure out what's yeah, 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 wild. Yeah, it's like millions of dollars and yeah. I also um, I also so, don't know why I don't know why these things are connected into my head, but when you start talking about Kingdom Alor, I was like, did they not just did they not re release that like remarkably recently and then I realized I was talking about Dragon's Dogma? And I don't know why those two games are tied in my head and they're very different games. Because, so well no, they're they're fairly similar and but right. different in terms of like where they end up going with it. Right. Because so Kingdom Amalur is a it's a third-person action RPG um, that is open-world and largely... So the, the interesting thing about Kings of Ambler is the the world and the the story and the character and like the lore, because they got... One of the things that Kurt Schilling did was he got R.A. Salvatore, who is the guy that wrote a lot of the Forgotten Realms books, created really famous characters like Driss Durden and all these people. Oh, he's the um, Drizzt. He's the Drizzt man. He he okay. wrote Drizzt Durden. He wrote all those books right. and like made, basically basically made the Sword Coast what it is today. Yeah, yeah. So like defined Baldur's Gate and Waterdeep and all the Neverwinter and all those places, the really famous D D places. Sure. Um he brought him on board and got him to write quote one thousand years worth of lore for this world. I remember the coverage so he, of this now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he he wrote an entire backstory to this world and universe and like the wars that had happened and the people that live there and like all this stuff. So the world is very rich and mm. teeming with all sorts of like fantasy words and terminology and tropes and all that stuff. It's all there. 
So if you want like a good fantasy world to dive into, Avalor is pretty good for that. Sure. And then the game itself, they brought on people like Chris Avalon and stuff to actually write the game. So the game's also very well written. Um, right. Like the, the character interactions and the story and stuff are very, they're very deep and very well thought out. And the characters actually have good drive and purpose and like the things that you actually care about in a story like this. Yeah, totally. Um, but so that you play in the world, part of the lore of this world is that there is a, there's a research into this thing called the well of souls, which is like people, you bring dead bodies there to be brought back to life. Like your soul returns to this well. And then somebody is trying to put them into bodies mm-hmm. and you are, you are the first successful experiment in this. You're the first person to be reborn from the well of souls. Oh, I, um, think, I think that's why I keep conflating these two. Cause there's something very similar in, in dragon's dogma. Like you're a, yeah, you're, you're, you're the, you're the, the dragon touched at that point because the dragon takes your heart. Like you are right. the, the immortal dragon thing. You yes. have to go get your heart back. Um, they're also like third-person RPGs with action combat, so they're like and similar. And they also both looking. came out in 2012, which was the thing I just checked. Yeah, so. they came out in a similar year. Yeah. Um, so you are you're the first of this experiment, and when you get out into the world, you realize that um, a lot of the the world is dictated by fate, which is like literally fate. Like things have predetermined paths that oh, the okay. world dictates, and there are people in the world called fate. Is it fate weavers or fate binders? I can't remember what it is, but. The, it's their job to um, make sense of fate, like tell people what their fates are, and like let let them know like what the world has in store for them. And by being wa- reborn from the well of souls, you are now fateless. You do not have the 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 the, the threads of fate do not touch you, so oh, you can okay. basically forge your own path um, in the world. So you're like kind of you you have the ability to manipulate fate because it, you're not dictated by it you can sort of bend it to your will right and it means that you have like a special ability which means you can like stop time and do a bunch of damage to stuff and like kill people all at once and but it, it's, it's an interesting story conceit that kind of develops over the course of the game mm-hmm. um the the thing where re re-reckoning kind of falls apart is that so it's a remake of the original kings of amalur reckoning and that's that's kind of all it is Right. Like it doesn't do anything crazy with it. It upscales it to where it can run on higher resolutions. And there's like some, it looks like some shadow work and like texture work has gone on, but not like, it's not a full blown out HD remaster. It's very much a, we've taken the original assets and like done a little bit to it so to make it work. What was the state of that game? Cause I'm trying to remember, cause this is not, cause God, Kings of Aglure Reckoning basically for me is a collaborate in a bunch of other games that is not tied together in my head. This is not the game that they had to destroy a bunch of copies of because of the lawsuit, right? That was too human. It's a different game. Oh god. Right? Uh that I think that was too human, yeah. Right. I don't think they had to destroy copies of Kings of Aglure. Right. Because this is sure. a different game that had a bunch of legal shit in it that had a bunch yes, of really this is bad... another... Right. This is a bunch of, this is a different action RPG that had a whole bunch of okay. legal problems. Good. Um, um so what is the what was the current state of this game before this re-release? Like was it just not available? Was it so It was like so yeah, so it was on Steam and then it got pulled off of Steam because I think the license ran out and nobody picked it up. Right. Um so if you had it on Steam, you could still download it and play it and stuff like that. You just couldn't buy it anywhere. And then I think about a year ago or two years ago the license for the Kingdoms of Amalur brand was bought by THQ Nordic. Right. Okay. And everybody everybody was like, 
oh, what are they going to do with that? Or are they just going to like hold on to it because it's a thing? Yeah. And then sure enough, they've like remastered it like this. Um, is it a remaster? Uh, I think that's the thing you're saying is it's not really a remaster. Like they've done a lot it's of not, so it, to it. Ma- master is master is a strong word because remaster would imply like they've brought it up to 2020 standards, which I don't think they have. It's kind of like a retouch, I guess, would be the they've like they've done little things here and there to make it look slightly better, but it still looks very much like it did when it came out. Right. But it's so it's very subtle. So the game the game itself is still just the game that you played. So if you if you have already played Kings of Amalur, it's exactly the same. There, it does nothing different. There is right. no change to it whatsoever. Um, the problem then is that okay, so the people that liked it, like me, the people that played it and liked it, are going to buy it and play it again because they want to play it again because they've not played it in a long time because it legitimately was a good open world RPG and the combat was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the problem becomes like, what do new people do? Because they don't know what Kingdom of Armalur is. And when you play it as someone who hasn't played it before, what you get is a single player MMO because right. that's that's what Kings of Armalur was before it got turned into Reckoning. It was, was it was going to be, to be a big scaling yeah. MMO, yeah. So what you get are massive open world maps which are like lush and filled with stuff and there's like story and people and but a lot of the quests devolve into go here and kill this thing right or go here and touch this thing or go find this other thing for me like the questing is very similar to how an mmo would be where it almost feels like it should be zoned where it is like you turn up in a new town there's a bunch of people with exclamation marks above their head you go get them all you go do it, you go back to the town, hand them all in at once, go on to the next area, do it again, do it again, do it again, right, do it right. again, and work your way around the map like that. Um, so the is thing it pushing it? it along, the thing pushing it along is that the story itself is interesting because the world is interesting. Right. Like, you, you, if you care about fantasy universes, then learning about this new world is interesting because there's a, there's a bunch of cool stuff in there. There's a whole, like, immortal race of magical people that are like because you're human and you're like a naive race they are they've been here for thousands of years but they are having problems internally and there, there is like political struggle and stuff there's there is well-written stuff to find it's right. just playing it is very single player mmo it's a game that i would very much have something on a second monitor right, right up until you want to start talking to people then pause that listen to what people have to say do all the conversation stuff then when it's back to questing turn the thing back on the second monitor and go do that makes sense it's, yep saying it's worth it is difficult because you do have to play a lot of it but there is good stuff there you just have to find it it's, right that makes sense it's just it just yeah it just depends on how far you're willing to go with it because like the the actual combat itself is actually quite good because it is part of the the thing of you being fateless means that you don't have a class so you can like build your character however you want to right. do whatever. Um, and you do that by having... You've got two weapons. You've got a primary weapon, a secondary weapon that you can swap between mid-combo. Mm-hmm. So there's like a button dictated to your primary weapon, a button dictated to your secondary weapon. So you just... As you're comboing, you can flick between the two and they'll go out of one and into the other. And like... So there is this kind of like weaving combat that works really well that you then pile on with special abilities that are from the trees that you're deciding to level into. Mm-hmm. So like for me, when it was like 
sneaky rogue man with a bit of magic, you have some sneaky rogue moves that are then compounded with some magic that can help you. Um, it's 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 better than it would be if where it just like an MMO combat or like a traditional like if this was a CRPG or like a top down isometric thing, it probably wouldn't be as good as it is. But because it's action based and there's like stealth mechanics and magic to help you along, it's more interesting to sit and play. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of all it is. It's 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 disappointing as a remaster because it seems very light on the remaster touches, right? But Kingdoms Amalur, when it came out initially, was already quite underrated and was not picked up by a lot of RPG fans because of all this like shit that was surrounding it. Yeah. yeah. So now it, there's the opportunity to go back and try it and see what people are talking about because there are people who are fervent fans of this game for for good reason. There's a yeah, yeah. lot to like in it once you I, find I, it. I continually heard people talk about it, which seemed weird for a game that didn't seem to go anywhere. Yeah, even, like even that, it's, of its own, but yeah, it, it it's. Um, it's exactly that, but there is there is there are things to find in it. You just have to work for it. And the interesting thing about the remaster is that apparently, somewhere I think next year there is like a missing chapter that by buying it, THQ Nordic have been given that they are now working to retouch and put back into the oh, game. Oh, interesting. Um, so there is this there is this extra thing that is going to come out at some point that people can get their hands on. Cool. Um. But yeah, so that's that's kind of Ambler re-reckoning. Um, it is expensive for what it is because I think it's thirty quid um, right. as it stands right now. If you already own Kings of Ambler, you get it at a discounted price. But right. if you don't own Kings, which it, which is also kind of weird because like if you if you wanted to play Kings of Ambler, you could have picked it up in a Steam sale for like three pounds at some point. Yeah. Um, and then when this came out, you get it for like a tenner because especially, it gets massively discounted. Especially but, when the reason that you can't play it anymore is for weird licensing reasons, like for them to then yeah. get you to charge you again for this thing. Seems yeah, it's really strange. strange. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of Zabler re-reckoning. Okay. Um, cool. I recommend it to people. Um, I recommend it to people. If you've played it already, then you probably are going to play it again with this. But if you've not played it, no going in that there 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 is good stuff there there is good writing and there are good characters and there's interesting stuff happening but there is some shit to get through before you get to that sure um but that's that's yeah that's what i'd say about games of Amalur. cool so i'll very briefly talk about the control dlc that you put out um yeah. this is the final this is the alan lake dlc right yes this is the single player the final single player so dlc right. before you start this was called the aew expansion right awe yes AWE. So was that Alan Wake experience or something? What was the so AWEs are a thing in control, like altered world right. events were the thing that control is like part of the control lore. So technically, oh, of course, is... right? Yes, I forget all the dumb terminology that control had. Yeah, yeah so it's an AWE theoretically, but yes, this this I don't think it's a spoiler to say at this point that that DLC features Alan Wake in it. The problem yeah, is... it was in the trailer. Like yeah. <laughs> he was there. Um. So. I have not finished it. I am on the final yeah. boss fight. Oh yeah, I remember you messaging me about this. <laughs> Being very I angry. Don't I? You ever have one of those moments in games where you do something, you play something, and you're like, I don't, I don't, I feel like I'm missing something here. And you go online, yeah. and it feels like everyone else is playing a different game than you. <laughs> like uh, sometimes it depends like, on what you mean. So, like, 
people are people are super excited that it tells like this extra story in the Alan Wake universe and gives you more information yeah. about Alan Wake and all this kind of stuff. I don't. I've got none of that. Like, unless I've missed large chunks of story somewhere that they have not put in front of me. Like, I have zero idea what's happening in this DLC. Like, is, it, is it all in logs or something like that? Like, is it all in no? The... Like, there are like they do. They do the like uh, FMV like in worlds chunks of stuff that then link to like mm-hmm. hotline calls. But it's like it's the most kind of generic, not generic, but like it's the most like kind of filler Alan Wakey style. Like it's him writing a book, obviously that is. For people, oh yeah, that's what he does. If you know, yeah, if you know the the stuff behind Alan Wake, like he writes the stories he writes come true, right? That's the whole thing. And he's writing the story. The whole, the whole, Alan, the whole Alan Wake experience is Alan Wake writing a book about a writer writing a book. Yeah. And him trying to write himself out of the book that the writer he's writing is writing about. Yeah. It's exactly. It's simple. It, yeah. That simple story of Alan Wake. Fucking yeah. God. Like, and, and to be clear, like I fucking love Alan Wake. I think it's hmm. incredible. Thing. Alan Wake. Is, Alan Wake is super interesting. It's yes. just bad to play. <laughs> That's the yeah true. Um, but I have got zero extra story from alan like it just feels like alan wake is writing the things that are happening but i don't understand the things that are happening or i they're not impactful oh, okay. in any way and then the actual like main so is he, write, is he writing a story about the bureau of control or is it just it he's writing like, a story and the bureau of control is just there it seems like he's writing a story involving the bureau and some of the stuff right, that okay. happens in the bureau and how he's impacted by it but i don't Okay. I couldn't follow it. I think that's the thing. Like, I think part of it is like, if there is an interesting story here, I couldn't follow what was going on, right? For okay. whatever reason, because the the main thrust of Jesse's story throughout this whole thing is there's a like as as with most of the DLC and to be honest, most of the the story content of this game has been like, hey, there's like some altered world object has fucked up somewhere and has removed part of the oldest house. You need to go and sort it, and it turns yeah. out that, that it's a person and or it's a yeah it was a person that is um that's basically going on the rampage and we just sealed off a whole section of the old house and you should go in or you, there, there's a force pulling you towards to go and actually figure out what the hell's going on there and they do do there was a um a couple of reviews that said like it takes a slightly more horror slant on control which right. is kind sure. of true where like that first boss fight you do where you are introduced to the the main antagonist creature thing of the thing is it's it uses a lot of like kind of horror game style thing like light and dark play a much as you would expect for something yeah it's all awake yeah it's got light and dark is a big part of it um and it's it's effective like that initial thing is very very effective but how that thing ties into the Alan Wake stuff and what the Alan Wake stuff is actually talking about, and I just didn't, I didn't get any of it. I just didn't understand what they were trying to, the story they were trying to tell. And I, sure, I, yeah. I constantly feel like I've missed something because everyone is like, "Oh, cool, see Alan Wake stuff again." And you're like, I didn't get any of that. Like, it feels like Alan Wake is telling a completely separate story that has zero implications on the stuff that Jesse is doing. Yeah, um, and I picked up every fucking. Um, audio book. log, every every, book, log. every letter that was written, everything, um, and then on top of all of that, that final boss fight is. I don't. It feels unfair in a way. A boss fight hasn't felt unfair in a while. Sure. Where like the setup for it is. The 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 
the boss has so the boss has like a bunch of different like kind of ranged attacks it has an up close swipe but it also has a blink where it can blink to mm. you and like almost like one shot you like 90 percent damage mm. one shot you with very little recourse for like it's winding up to do the blink like it just blinks and hits you and like you have to be very quick to like get the fuck out of there before, before it'll do it right so there's like yeah. a couple of rounds of that and then it kills the lights and you have to put power blocks back into the lights to bring the lights back up so you can actually harm it again but uh, while it, yeah. while it's in the dark it's regenerating health and it's launched ads at you. Mm. So, like, sure. the the re- the regeneration rate on this thing seems wild. Like, if you are not, like, when you see it charging up to knock the lights out, if you are not next to one of the four power sources that you need to bring back, and you've got lucky enough to, to that your power source is one of the ones that's going to go, that's going to get disconnected, you've basically, like, he basically regenerates all of the health that you've taken off in the last round. And like, yeah. and I'm not like I'm playing it on normal. Like I'm not playing it on some super hard difficulty. I feel like I got a pretty good handle on that combat, especially by the time I got back to that thing. I'm using all the powers. I've like basically at this point maxed out most of the the ability tree. Like I don't know what I'm not doing here. That and I and I I got to the point where like I looked it up and was like, okay, there's some trick here to this I'm missing. And it's like, no, you just have to get the lights back on and then hit them again. And you're just like, this doesn't, what? Like, I don't, it just, it feels really unfair and really, if not unfair, maybe I'm just bad at it, but it feels like a difficulty spike that is unearned for sure. Right. Um, And yeah, it's actually like, in terms of gameplay, like, it's like the least interesting gameplay that that game has had in one of those DLCs. Like, the last one at least had the the fucking synthwave train ride which is oh yeah real dumb but it's really fun like it's it's exciting and like it does something really cool with that world and it it obviously evoked like the ashtray maze and stuff like that um there's one thing in here that has like the start of that or has like the 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 tantalizing prospect of something like that and then you're like oh it's a hard mode oh okay and yeah, you're tying, and you're tying like key story stuff to this. Oh, cool. Okay, awesome. And it's just like, eh, it doesn't. It's there's not there's not a lot to it. I don't think. Not there. Um, yeah. yeah, and if there is Alan Wake stuff in there, I'm sure it's great. But I I have completely missed it. If it is, I don't know how any of this tie. I mean, it does. Like the core of it is that part of it they've created. God, maybe minor spoilers for Control, I suppose. But like one of the things they do in the bureau is if there's an event that happens in a in a place they will recreate part of that place inside the bureau to study what happens right like yeah so they have created a section of bright falls or they have the bright falls section of the bureau but like it feels it doesn't it, it's not like they've recreated part of bright falls it's just like here's the area where we worked on this awe and you're like okay cool like there's nothing Alan Wakey here, really, except that he appears every now and then and yeah. talks to himself. Um, and to be honest, like I don't know how much of that would have been impacted by like the last six months. Like it, It's kind of hard to know, looking at some of this stuff, whether like the video quality feels different than the original game. 
And it is difficult to know whether right, that is yeah. just because it's a DLC pack and they recorded it much later, they had to do it in a specific way, or because of the COVID stuff, they couldn't actually get together to film this video in the way they would have wanted to film this video. And it's, mm. yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in there. It's It feels, I don't know, it feels like they're missing something from this one uh, for something that sure. was... Yeah, and like I love the idea that all the remedy games are part of some remedy multiverse at this point. Like that's awesome. Yeah, like continue down that that path, please do. The, the yeah, the idea that remedy stuff could all just be part of the control verse. Like everything totally is super into that idea. It's just they didn't. Everything is an AWE. Everything yeah. can be what it is. The, yeah, there wasn't enough control stuff in there for me. There wasn't enough Alan Wake stuff in there for me. And then the difficulty spike just seemed unnecessary. And sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that. Um, if you've got the season pass, you'll have it already. I don't know if you can actually buy it separately. Um, and we will talk about the ultimate edition when we get to news because there's been some uh, more stuff on that fun. as well. Um, let's very quickly take a break and we'll talk about our last two items and some news. But I believe you have some music for us. Yeah. Um, so last, when was it? Thursday? Was it Thursday that the yes. Ubisoft question mark? yeah yes ubisoft ubisoft had their their online streaming thing of like hey here's what's going on with all our games and like stormsies and watchdog legion and all that stuff and that's yeah. pretty good uh but one of the the big announcements which was kind of like talked about for a bit but they confirmed it was a re-release remaster or whatever you want to call it of the scott pilgrim video game yes. which was a much loved kind of like it was one of the one of the early like downloadable games that people really clung to and was yeah. like, this thing's really good. Like, look what you could do with downloadable games. Um and it was it was great. Like it was a great thing, and people wanted to play it for ages, and now they should be able to whenever that re-release comes out. But yeah. the one of the best clear, things about that game To be oh, clear, that that game disappeared. Like yeah, the license game, ran out or yeah. some licensing thing yeah. and it disappeared off stores. Yeah, um, and then yeah. I guess Ubisoft picked it up and now for four have it years. Again. I think if I was reading it right, it's unavailable for last four years. Like that, yeah, um, yeah, and so one of the best things about that game was the soundtrack because they got um, amazing chiptune rock band Adam Araguchi to write the full thing, yeah. and they fucking knocked it out of the park and yep. made a really really good chiptune album. Uh, so I'm going to play a song from that. Um, it's called Rock Club. It is played yep. in the Rock Club level. It is great. The whole soundtrack's fantastic. I urge you to listen to all of it because it's brilliant. For sure. Um, but yeah, we're going to listen to that. Cool. Uh, check, those, check the post for links where you can pick that soundtrack up. And we'll be back in a little bit. Club from the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World video game soundtrack by Anna Managuchi. Um They are one of my favorite bands, and I'm glad they wrote. Well, they, they did. They did write. They ended up writing another OST for a different video game later on, but it wasn't as good. Uh, go listen to the soundtrack; it's fantastic. Um, what other yeah. soundtrack did they write? Oh God, what was it called? Something Capsule. That was a. I but can't that was like was that was their game or something, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. That game that game has been on the list of what the fuck is this thing I need to go learn about. It's, it's, not, it's not as good. In, ter- in terms of the OST, it's not as good. Like okay. it's it's really sad. Sure. Um but yeah, I'd like them so much that I bought their first three albums on vinyl like the other day and planned to display them in my house. Like, and to be clear, how... you did not have a you did not have a record player. You did not. Uh, no, don't, I don't. Can't can't play them. Like, don't intend to play them. Just are going don't, to be there purely as art pieces like that. Don't own any other vinyl, as far as I know. Oh, just the first bit of vinyl that I own. But those, the first Power Supply, Don Metropolis, and Endless Fantasy are such good albums They're and brilliant. they mean so really so are. much to me that i i'm glad that i get to own them in some form and display them totally. on a wall somewhere to be, be fair like, I almost, there. to be fair i almost did the exact same thing like i was i bought the um the transistor concert poster from the super giant store and i was like oh they've got that soundtrack on vinyl which is like one of my favorite game soundtracks ever and i was like oh Mm, I could just get that as well while I'm yeah. here because the shipping cost for this poster is already absurd. But mm, I don't. So I didn't it's, end up yeah. doing it. But like, like Adam Aguchi was like the first, the first band that I found like on my own, like mm. separate from separate from you or like my parents or anybody yeah. else. It was totally. like the first thing I found that I really liked by myself. Totally. So they mean like a lot. So it was, it was cool, and the the vinyls look great anyway. But yeah. I keep thinking about so, yeah. that. I keep thinking about that gig we went to. Like it was so good. Oh, it was mental. It was so good. Ridiculous. It was amazing. Gig. Oh. It was it was a gig I never thought I'd be able to see because they're so incredibly particular and I never thought they'd go out of America because why the fuck would they? Yeah. But then they just randomly turned up in Glasgow one night. Like it yeah. was so weird. And they've, and they've them to do tuts as well. Like I would imagine yeah. that they would get a bigger room than that, but the fact it was a smaller room just made it all the more Yeah made it insane yeah it's great um cool so do you have something else i think um, yeah as well as uh, so, yeah so very quick like you did with the control dlc so i have been playing crusader kings 3 i am not prepared to talk about it in any great depth yet because i've only played it for like eight hours and even though most of the time i'd be okay talking about a game after playing it for eight hours Crusader Kings is not that game. No. You need a lot more time in that game to be able to talk about it. Um, it is very complicated and very deep, but it is a very good engine for dynamic storytelling and very unique storytelling because there's a bu- it's basically a bunch of interlocking systems that let you tell this sort of weird medieval fantasy story to where... So like some of the, some of the highlights for the things that I've found is that my... My king is so charismatic and charming that literally every single woman in the court has tried to seduce him at some point. Right. Um, including not like my obviously my wife is there. Like every member of the court, like the random people that are just in the court, if they are female, has tried to seduce this king at some point. My brother's my brother's wife, my brother's daughter, my my Vassal's daughter, about like basically anybody that comes anywhere near the king somehow is ridiculously falls in love with him instantly and goes through the whole quest line of trying to seduce him. It's weird. Um, How much of that is controlled by like your character definition at the start of this game? Like, can you just like so is the, that a perk you just add? Like, can you just like so max the only out thing, charisma? The only thing that, 
Well, the only thing that, like, so I, you, you the, the, the thing that they stress about Crusader Kings is you play a character. You don't play a, a kingdom or a yeah, yeah. people or whatever. You play a character. And, like, you don't pick, you pick the starting location, who that person is, but you don't pick the stats for them right. or whatever. You just get what they are. And, like, the only thing that I did to that person was I made them go down a specific trait tree that is, like, about being a knight so it's like being chivalrous and like all that sort of thing yeah which apparently makes him really attractive i don't know okay um yeah so there's all that stuff um i i got my son an arranged marriage with a princess in france then used that as a military not military bargaining chip. Use them as like a sort of military advantage thing while I was trying to take over the rest of Ireland, where I needed help taking over a castle. So I messaged my family in law, I guess, at that point, and be like, "Hey, can you come over and give me a hand?" And they're like, "Sure, we'll come over and give you a hand." Came over with an army of like a thousand people or whatever when mine was like five hundred. Right. Demolished the castle, took it over, and all that sort of stuff. And then they just sort of hung around. So now. The middle of Ireland is technically owned by France, and nice. that's weird. And I can't do anything about it because they're technically my family. Right. I could do something about it, but that would be very bad. Um, there's there's a bunch of pagan shit happening in England to where there's like people living to like hundreds of years old through witchcraft, and it's, oh. it's really strange. So there there is a lot of stuff that can happen in this game. There's whole parts of the world that you'll never see. Because there's like a whole, there's a whole bit in the north of Africa. There's like the Middle East. There's like some bits up in Russia. Like there's a whole bit. Never see any of it because I'm over here trying to deal with Ireland and taking over Ireland and then pushing into the UK or whatever. Right. So there's all sorts of shit happening all over the place. Um, I found I found out that my wife technically doesn't believe in a religion and that's like a big deal. So there's a, there's a system where if you you can discover secrets about people. And then if you reveal that you know that you know their secret, you get what's called a hook, which is like a, a, a bargaining chip essentially to go like, do this or I'll tell people. Right, okay. And it can sure. be a, a strong hook or a weak hook. And I discovered that my wife, even though she said she was Catholic, actually doesn't believe in a religion, which I'm fine with, but the character isn't. So then have it has a major hook against my own wife. So... When she came out and was like, what the fuck's going on with all this stuff where you're like seducing every member of the court? I was like, eh, shut up or I'll tell people that you don't believe in God. And she was like, oh, okay, I guess, and backed off. So it's this sort of like, this is why this game is interesting because there's all these systems all feeding into each other that then lead to this kind of weird storytelling narrative of the story of this weird... He, the king took none of the seduction, like, did not do anything with anybody, and yet my wife was still like, eh, what the fuck are you doing? So I had to be like, my wife, I had to be like, sharp, or I'll tell people that you don't believe in God. Um, Yeah, it's like crazy, and there's it only works because there's so many systems, and they all work, and they all work so well together. Like, what is, what, this is going to sound bizarre, what is the actual game? Like, is this just a 4X game with this layer on top of it? Is that... So the, the, this, is, this is the thing they, they stress in the... When you do the tutorial of Crusader Kings, they, they stress at the end, the game is whatever you want it to be. Like, right. you just you just do what you want and figure it out from there. Like, it is... If you want to take over the world, go for it. If you want to try and, like, 
fuck people up you can do that as well like there's there, there are systems for whatever you want to do because i really like the idea of I, li- I really like the idea of like this like medieval age storytelling system like i like that idea but also i suck yeah. at 4x games so like the actual the actual management stuff is all very every every system is very light it's just that okay. there's a lot of them that's okay. the problem. I'm okay with it's that. that you're, ma- you're, you're managing a lot of menus and there's a lot of text and there's a lot of things to look at. Okay. But when you dive into it and actually look at it, there's only like three or four things to do on each menu. There's just a lot of them. That's the okay. problem. Interesting. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's really interesting and it gets super crazy, especially when you start getting into like, oh God, I... Like my bishop is actually a moron and doesn't do anything, but I can't. So you have this. You have your council, which is like your like you have your your bishop and your war master and your spy master and the people who deal with the coin and like all that stuff. And you can at will take people's jobs away from them and give them to somebody else, just like in like Game of Thrones and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Just give the job to someone, except for the bishop, because the bishop is dictated by how the religion works and religion gotcha. the catholicism doesn't say i can fire a bishop because i'm the king you're not right. allowed to do that so instead what you have to do is put into place the the thing that crusader kings thrives off of which are called schemes which is just i want to do this and it takes time and the longer it goes on, the higher likelihood it has to succeed. So basically, since the start of the game, I have had a scheme for someone to kill my bishop. Like, <laughs> I, I have basically put a scheme in place that says, I want this guy dead. Because if he dies, then I can try and convince the Pope to let me assign a bishop. Or he assigns me one. I just don't want that bishop because he's a moron. I want somebody else. So... I have had this scheme in place forever. And the longer it goes on, the more likely it is to succeed, but the more likely it is he's also going to find out that I want him dead, which is also bad because he's a bishop and he could go tell the Pope and that would be really bad. That would be probably... <laughs> if the Pope, finds out, yeah, if the probably Pope finds out that I'm trying to kill a bishop, that would be incredibly bad for me. I would either get excommunicated or potentially have a crusade brought against me, oh, which Jesus. is very... Yeah, there's holy wars. There's a whole bunch of shit that you can do. Like, it's mental... Um, it's it's really impressive what that game can do, but there's a lot of it. Sure. And me telling you the things that are just happening in my campaign is one thing, but actually being able to explain what that game is at any sort of great depth, I need more time with. Yeah, um, maybe, I, I might try it. Maybe we just maybe we just sit on on the screen share and you just show me what the hell this thing is because yeah, I've I I've was, heard the tutorial. The tutorial's not awful, but it doesn't tell you everything, which is the problem. Most of, most of my um, interaction with the Crusader King series has been people telling their stories and reading their patch notes, which are always excellent. Yeah, because so yeah, because this because it's all systems. No, the things they have to fix are so super specific. The fun, the fun of Crusader Kings is just talking about what's happened. Like that is what yeah. that game is. It's just like a D and D campaign where you're just sure. like. Yes, the fun of people getting together and talking about D and D is going. Hey, let me tell you about this crazy thing that happened, and that's that's what that game is. That's what that game does. Yeah. Um. So instead of talking anymore about Crusader Kings, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Risk of Rain Two. Oh, which right. Is a yes. game I have now played how many hours of twelve hours of Crus- uh, Risk of Rain Two. Um, that game is excellent that game is okay it's a game it's a game that is not it it didn't go on my radar for ages because it was in early access and like 
I typically don't play early access stuff until it's done because I want them to be able to like realize their full vision before I like, play yeah. it. Um, but I loved Risk of Rain 1. I played a bunch of that. I thought that game was great. I have a, a couple of friends who are, have been playing a lot of Risk of Rain 2 and we were sitting chatting one day and they were like, oh, let's play a game together. And I was like, I mean, I could just buy Risk of Rain 2. We could play that. And I'm like, sure, if you want to. So I did. And yeah, it's really good. So what that game is, is, uh, is a 3D roguelike with the not dynamic scaling difficulty but with scaling difficulty where so the main hook of risk of rain is that you are you're a spaceship that has crash landed on a planet that you didn't expect because it has appeared out of nowhere and you have to survive and basically get off the planet um the the unique thing about this compared to other roguelites is that the difficulty increases the longer you spend in the game mm-hmm. so it starts off very easy but as the longer it goes on, it goes through easy and then medium difficulty and then hard and then impossible and it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going until eventually you've spent so much time in it that it just starts laughing at you. The the difficulty ticker just becomes ha 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 over and over <laughs> again. Um, that's only if you spend like half an hour in the game. Right. Uh, which, can, which can happen if you get a really good run. So the, the, the thing that it, it is a roguelike, so it's run-based, is about you killing things, getting money, spending on crates that have random items in them that can help you and then trying to like piece together like a functioning build for your character out of that um where it differs is the difficulty thing like i've already said is the interesting thing about it because obviously it'll get harder the further you go on but they have made attempts to kind of get around the random feeling nature of a bunch of roguelikes so you know how a lot of roguelikes you are like if i don't get this item i'm screwed or yeah like, oh, i i got i got all these items that are useless i'm fucked i can't do anything or like you need um, to, in order to beat the boss you need this specific setup that you might just randomly yeah get exactly. or something yeah yeah risk of rain 2 tries to mitigate some of that with uh a feature which is uh scrappers and 3d printers which is <laughs> So every item has a every item has a quality, so whether it's like white or green or yellow or red. Um, a scrapper is basically if you throw an item into it, you will get material of that rarity. So you'll get white material or green material, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You can then spend that material on 3D printers, which are randomly in the world, for whatever that 3D printer makes. Right. Which is a specific item. So, for example, the run that I did a couple of days ago where I unlocked a bunch of characters all at once and it went really well, I was playing a character that's focused on getting critical hits as a build. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's her thing. She needs crits. And I just was not getting crit items, like, zero crit items for, like, the first five levels of the game. And it was going really badly. And in the fifth level, there was a 3D printer that prints an item that gives you 10% crit chance. And I was like, ah, this is going to be the thing. So I found a scrapper in the world luckily because they sometimes don't spawn together you can sometimes get a scrapper and no 3d printer or a 3d right, printer right. with no scrapper and basically dumped all my white items into it and turned them all into crit chance where then i had 100 percent crit chance oh. and my build went from this is a pile of garbage to holy shit it's amazing all right. of a sudden so it is if you get lucky enough to where you have the right 3D printer, or you find the right items or stuff like that, you can really build it into something that can work. Right. Um, which is good because a lot of ro- roguelites are very chance based and very, I didn't get X, so I'm fucked. This mm-hmm. game lets you kind of 
try and at least get towards something that's usable. Um, the other interesting things about this game are the the character classes are all so they're all locked behind different challenges that you have to do, but they all are very unique in their playstyle. So there's like the guy that you start off with initially is just like your basic grunt man. He has two guns, he throws grenades, he rolls. Like there's a whole bunch of like basic stuff. Yep. But it it then evolves into like you can go with the the weird loader robot person who has a gun that can change between two guns, but he also has the ability to pick up. There are like active items in the game that you can activate mm-hmm. to do things. He can like carry two of them at once. So he has the ability to just use a bunch of items all at once, which then that's how he gets through the levels is by having these activated items that you can just sit and flick between that lets him build up this army um, or just like whatever whatever items he finds. Um, to like the guy that I recently unlocked that is really cool, who is like a weird samurai dude. Who He's, like, he's in melee, which instantly means he is more at danger because he has to be right next to people. Right. But he has an ability that is like, if he hits people three times, he puts a mark on them. And then if he hits them with the mark, he lowers his cooldowns. So it's about like hitting people with the mark and then like dashing through them with his dash ability that then comes back off cooldown, hitting them again, doing it again. So it's all about movement. So you're just basically constantly moving and teleporting and dashing and spinning. And so it's like all the characters feel very unique and have this very unique play style um, that then leads into very unique sets of items that they need very unique builds that they need to go down. So is this that it makes it so that your runs aren't they don't feel the same over and over again. Like in a game of like um FTL or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where unless you swap ships, you know what you you know what you want and what you like and what you can go for. In this game, when you swap characters, you're looking for entirely different sets of items for different people. Obviously there are items that are good for everybody, but you're looking for different stuff for everybody that is then massively changes how you play the game sure so it is really variant which is really fun because it means that nothing is ever going to be the same ever um the items themselves are also really interesting where it can range from just like stat boosts to like the really crazy items where it's like you get an egg that turns yourself into like a bomb that you can fly across the map with and like what okay and, yeah like this crazy shit like the the activated items all get mental and like there's yeah, it is. It is properly. It is properly one of these things where it is like the second you find an item where it changes your perspective of how you're going to play that game it is. It is really special. Like it is. I. It is like the moments of like I have found this thing and it changes entirely how I play this game now because I found this one thing. Right. Is that well designed that it has these moments of like. This thing is so impactful, cool. um, but yeah, it is and you—it's like four-person multiplayer, so you can play it with up to four people. It is difficult. It's really hard. Sure, but it doesn't. But it doesn't feel unfair. Like when you die, you know why you died. It's not like a. I mean, that matches up with the last game, right? Like it there. was. Yeah, it was kind of similar. Yeah, it was very hard, but it was understandable. But yeah, it's it's really good, and there's so much like hidden stuff in it, and depth to go down of like different items you can find and like i've i've barely scared. i've like unlocked a bunch of characters and stuff like that but there's like so much stuff that i just haven't seen mm. and or played around with or like figured out what you can use and 
but it's it's a really really good game. Like it's a really good one of those roguelikes. Um, so yeah, if you if you like those, I would totally pick it up and try it because it is great. Awesome. The music's incredible as well. Oh god, the music's so good. It's like yeah. um, weird ambient synth stuff, but crossed with like eighties hair metal sort of strange it's really bizarre it doesn't make sense unless you listen to it but when you listen to it it's brilliant it's so good um i'll bring it along next time i can do a music yeah. break but um, I, I actually I, yeah. meant pick, I meant to pick that game up it seems super interesting uh, it's very it's, it's very very good I'd, I'd highly recommend it to anybody it's very good sure um so the last thing i want to talk about is speaking of things that came out of nowhere and have kind of yeah just surprising things so i played a couple hours of paradise killer which is a game i did not know existed until like the tail end of last week and i'm floored that nobody is talking about so this game came out a couple weeks ago according to steam and it's out on switch as well and i am astounded that the people I follow on Twitter have not found this game yet. It is, oh, it's something else. So it is a, I think I described it to you as it's an open world vaporwave Danganronpa. Yeah. It is a, so it is a visual novel, kind of. Well, mm, is it, it's closer to something yeah. like a, if well, you're, if you're saying it's if you're saying it's like Danganronpa, then it's like a murder mystery visual novel. Like it, that's the... it verges more away from the open worldness of it. Takes it further away from Danganronpa and takes it more into like the kind of Phoenix Wright kind of. Mm. There, there's more. There's more. There's more to it than just the visual novels because visual novels basically have a kind of essentially have a linear progression, right? Where you have it's telling the single linear story that you do this bit and then this bit and then this bit and there are maybe like branching dialogue choices and all that kind of stuff but it's very much yeah. like here's chapter one chapter two chapter three paradise killer is is a murder mystery but it is like after the initial section it's like they drop you in the world and it's like go figure it out and i, I was i was reading through the steam comments yesterday and somebody compared it to outer wilds which i get oh sure okay. because it does have all of this so they do they literally drop you in the world they tell you why you're here, and then go, okay, go solve the mystery. And you're like... What's, you're, the, what's the name of your main character again? Lady Love Dies. The That's best... The one, yeah. This game has the best character names in a while. There's a... Um, the... Uh, Doctor Doom Jazz, who is a uh, Scottish it, doctor with robot arms. It's, um, um, it's a game. It's a game that seems like it's a very specific reference. But it's a game that seems like all the characters have been named by Austin Walker. Yes, like it is 100%, that sort yes. of uh-huh. um, level of good character naming. Yes. That is um, who was the guy I met yesterday? Uh, the architect is Carmelina Silence. Uh, there's oh, who's the guy in the mask? Um, oh, I can't remember. So the and the, the God, there's so much to talk about in this thing. I don't have time. There's it does a thing, I think the important thing to talk about is that it does a thing in games that is supremely difficult to do. The very, very few games have really managed to pull off successfully, and this game has done it already, and I'm only a couple hours into it, really, where one of the most difficult things to do in games, or actually a lot of media, but games specifically, is to drop you in a pre-existing world with a bunch of lore and get you on board with that lore, right? 
Yeah. Like it is mm-hmm. a it's exceptionally difficult thing to do that most gate most traditional games will do like they'll do a lore dump at the start or they'll your character will have amnesia and like they will learn at the same time that you're learning or there's a bunch of tricks you can yeah. do to kind of to to ease you into that thing. None of that is in this game. Like they throw there's a text scroll at the start that is dense but like readable and gives you a bunch of words that you probably need to know the meaning of later and that you probably want to figure out the meaning of later everyone in the world is like yeah of course you're here like and of course this thing's happening because it makes total sense um it doesn't hold your hand with the lore stuff but also is really really good at eventually getting to the thing where you're like oh okay so that's how that relates to this and this is this okay sure right okay and it's a hundred percent believable set of people and world and ties together that Mm. feels like it shouldn't work because it's so dense but it just it lets if you take the time to actually look at it and really really actually immerse yourself in it and just let it kind of wash over you until you start to grab bits of it it's just it's an incredible thing to that they've set up so that this is all from that text scroll at the start. I'm going to basically do you the, the spark notes version of that intro. Okay. So, oh, so paradise is a, a island that is basically on like a cycle where there's an architect that will create the island. They will pull in a bunch of people they call citizens to power the island with demonic power through rituals Okay. But the rituals, all of the islands up till this point, the rituals have eventually spilled over and brought demons into the world, which has completely destroyed the island. At which point, all of the syndicate, who are the, like, the, uh, the class above citizens, all go, well, fuck this, build the next island and all move there and try again, leaving all the citizens behind to just be consumed by demons. And then they, right, build a, okay. they build a new island, they try it again with a slightly different plan, and then the cycles. So the setup for this game is that Island 24 has just... The, the Island 24 is a lost cause, they are abandoning it, they have built Island 25, and just as Island 25 is built, the entire council who are responsible for building and managing the new island have all been murdered in a right okay in a locked room like there is no way anyone could have got into this thing yeah murder which is theoretically like they have pinned it on this citizen who has a bunch of other stuff going on in their background but also all of the syndicate all hate each other and you as lady love dies are the investigator for the syndicate who has been exiled 300 days no Three million days ago from the island. I think Island 12 is when she got sent Three off million to... days? Yeah. So island, So we're on Island okay. 24. Island 13, I think, was about the time where she got exiled. And she's been brought back by the syndicate to solve... Where do the other people live? Like, what's the... Where did she get exiled to? The Idlelands, which is like this area okay, that right. literally floats above the <laughs> island that's completely disconnected. And also, right, like okay, sure. you would talk about, if we had a if we had a category, a game of the year for best late title card, this is one of them for sure. Oh, but good! Like, I like a good late title so card. So she she's been exiled to this 
separated from the island and has now been brought back to solve this murder by the syndicate and it's just oh god it doesn't it feels like this should be a comedy game it feels like you look at it and you see this as the setup and all of this kind of stuff it feels like it should be a comedy game in the style of something like well, yeah Punk, you, or like yeah a, i was gonna say when you, when you look at it it feels especially with like the character styling and totally. stuff like that it feels very comedic like so, there should be something intent behind it that so is like apart from the writing being excellent and funny at points this is a game that takes itself very seriously like it has created this world everyone involved in this world is super attached to this world have these guys made anything else? No, this is their first game. It's a okay. two-person studio, sure. as far as I can tell. Cool. It is, and it's a UK studio as well, which is great. I mean, I feel I feel like a game like this could only be made by someone in Britain. But it's the, <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got that very strange sort of humour and style that is like so, very irreverent, but at the same time very serious. Totally. But, like, so it, it takes itself very seriously, but not in like an obnoxious way. And like, it's yeah. built this world and like... This world is real and exists and these characters all care about what's happening and like but also the writing is very funny. The characters are not played for laughs. Like the characters have these bizarre affectations and designs, but there's still very much characters who all care about each other and all of like it's and then you look at it and it is just like fucking eighties vaporwave, like marble yeah. and skulls and like looking looking at it on Steam right now, it's like pink moon. Yeah, uh, like the water is palm, pink. Palm trees. Yeah, like, the water is pink and blue. There's a pyramid off in the distance that you see at one point. That's it's got like eighties digital hacker stuff in there, where like you have a laptop called Starlight that lets you do your investigations, and it connects with like a dial-up tone and everything's pink and blue and the soundtrack is fucking incredible the soundtrack is they've mapped next and previous track to the d-pad on the controller like that's how much they care about the mood of this thing sure. um it looks incredible like and it looks the amount of detail in it as well is is astounding for a small studio like so there, there's a and again like the way you they do the skyrim thing where they drop you in the world and you pick a direction and go so I've not seen half the island yet, as far as I can tell. Like, I just went in a, off in a direction, and I ended up in the the place where the citizens live, which is styled very much like a kind of um, kind of Japanese city or kind of suburban area with, like, the white tiles and, like, the gated entrances and all this kind of stuff. So I'm just wandering around this, just taking in all of this stuff that's there. There's collectibles. There's, like... Uh, what's the, what's the word for music that is actually like part of the world? Um, uh, not not eidetic. There's a word for like music that makes sense in the context of the, like the music's being blasted from speakers in the world. Right, like, I know what that, you mean. Yeah. yeah, there's all of that part of it, and then there's the actual investigation part of it, which is also incredibly detailed and very well implemented. Where, so when you when you land on on paradise. The first person you meet is the judge, who is a person that has had their ego scrubbed entirely and has fused with the island itself, so is completely impartial. But and that's the that's the first point where I got the Danganronpa um 
comparison where there is going to be a court case at the end of this game right yeah. like you're going to go and present your evidence and inv- interview people and all of this kind of stuff like they've set it all up at the start um and you basically you go you go talk to the judge like why am i here what am i doing what do you know what are my leads all of this kind of stuff and then yeah i almost ended the game immediately because you can then talk to the judge and go cool i'm ready to go like that's the moment where you start yeah you get, the- at any point you can start the, the-, the trial the trailer, the trailer that is on the Steam page made a very clear point to bring up the fact of like, yeah, you can just accuse whoever you want. Like yeah. it is just. So I accidentally almost ended the game because I was like, just do. like I'd finished talking to the judge. I talked to them again in case there was any more things. And the top item is like, let's start the trial. Like I was 15 minutes into this game, and they were like, cool, let's start the trial. And when I'm done with this, I am 100 percent going to do that and see what the fuck happens. Like, I just want to know what happens when you have zero evidence, you have no lead. Well, you do have leads, but you have zero evidence, you have no evidence, and nothing. Um. So yeah, um, there's all of that stuff. But yeah, the actual Starlight, um, your laptop does a fantastic job of collating all of this information together, where it has different tabs of like. Here are all the leads. Here are all the leads that you have not done yet. Like we've we've out of all the stuff you've learned, here are the open questions we have so far. So at any point you can look at that and go, oh yeah, they did say that. I need to go and see what that is about, and you can go there. Um it also collates like every character in the game has like what is their alibi for why it couldn't possibly have been them, who can corroborate it what is their testimony about where they were and what they were doing. It corroborates all of that in this really structured way where it, I get the feeling I can at some point just go to a place, sit down and just look, take all of this in and actually start to come to some conclusions and actually be like, well, this doesn't match this and this doesn't match... Like, and I have zero idea how much they're going to hold my hand through that process or whether they're just going to like... here's all the, You have all the information. Like, go figure it out. I have no idea. But it is the most fascinating game I have played this year. It is superb. It is stylistic. It is, from a gameplay perspective, exceptionally well put together. It looks incredible. It behaves in a way that I've never seen anything do before. It has that style of... It has, like, that kind of Persona Danganronpa-ish style of, like, big, like, blocks of colour for UI and stuff like that. It does all of that stuff. For a game that comes from a small team with this kind of budget, the the graphical power they put behind this thing is amazing. Like because they're using that vaporwave aesthetic, which is about big blocks of color and a big blocks of texture. Yeah. Like the big opening colors. The opening idol the idol lands where Lady Love Dies has been living, like, is this gorgeous, like marble and gold what looks like a bathhouse but with like like skulls and statues and like geometric shapes and just it just looks amazing i was just wondering about this world just taking it all in um and yeah so it's got all of that as well as it being a really good detective gameplay part of it as well it seems like that thing is actually super well um uh handled so like as, as an example of how it does that kind of stuff the when you go and interview the person who they're who they believe is the murderer who they already have under arrest 
you go talk you go talk to them and you talk to the person who's in charge of their the syndicate's like kind of police force military arm style thing. Yeah. You talk to them and you go, well, here's what happened. He was being moved from this place to this place. During this time, he broke out, escaped, stole my knife, and then went and did the murder. And at that point, Lady Love Dies adds the note in the thing that was like, hey, I should figure out if that's possible. Just from, a, just from a physics point of view, like, could he have made it there in time? And you find the start point, you find the end point, and she then comes to the conclusion that's like, based on these distances and based on, and she puts a bunch of numbers into Starlight and goes, there's no physical way he could have made that journey like on foot, like all of that kind of stuff. Like, and it, and it, it just, it has that as part of the natural conversation. It has it as a note. It puts it under the right area of the UI where you'll always be able to refer to it and go, well, based on this story, does it match this story? Because this and this, like they've really thought about every single part of this thing. Like it, it has the look of a, it is, it would be very easy to look at this game in steam and be like, Oh, this is like a super pretty looking VA. If, if yeah, yeah. sorry. Like, but there's like, there's, there's like there's so much gameplay involved in this there's so much graphical power behind it it just it's astounding and like i said i feel like i came across the ark of the covenant when i installed this thing where like is the secret thing that's been stuck in the back of steam for like a week and a half and nobody is talking about it um so I want to be. I want to be very clear. I intend. I intend to try it as a fan of Danganronpa. You will know in the first fifteen minutes if you want to stick to this thing, and I think you especially will be super on board with this thing. And I'd be interested yeah. to know if you got on board with the story as quickly as I did, because like there is definitely the the one thing I would maybe say is like if you are not coming, if you're coming from more traditional VNs where they roll the story slowly out to you and make sure you're totally on board with everything as you go on like no no that there's none of that it's like here's a bunch of stuff just let it happen it will all start to be explained very nicely as part of the world with the characters who make sense and all of this kind of stuff like there is a degree of just let it happen and then it will yeah. start to click to you um yeah it's just it's absolutely incredible it is I am so excited to see where this thing goes. Like I had to just, I had to physically put it down yesterday and be like, no, I need to actually go to bed. Like it is. Yeah. It's something else. So that's Paradise Killer. It's PC. It's on Steam and it's on Switch, I think as well. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's very good. I'll also say like, this is not necessarily about this game, but it's been super interesting and not super positive to see the amount of games of this scale hit um, with the amount of accessibility options this thing has, where like this is like the seventh or eighth game this year so far that has the um, open dyslexic font as an option, like just straight up. Oh, in cool. The menu. Um, they have a bunch of stuff in there specifically about like fa- like falling off of like even even like this the kind of accessibility stuff that goes above and beyond. Where like, hey, do you want to switch on the ability for you to like not fall off stuff if you're crouching? Because it is a fully open 3D thing and you can just wander off the edges of cliffs if you want. There's no fall damage, but you can end up in places that you you would be difficult to get back from and all this kind of stuff. Like, they have all oh, of that yeah. stuff in there. They have, like, head bob and all this kind of stuff. There's a mature content filter that is off by default that I don't know what it does yet. <laughs> I haven't seen anything so far that would be like, oh, weird. Um, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, that game is... 
yeah. I also have zero idea how long it is. This game could be 15 hours. This game could be 40. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. So we will I, find I out. Um, so yeah, that's Paradise Killer. I wonder Killer. if it's on, if it's on how long did it take. Hang on, I'll look. Oh yeah, I've heard uh, that website. How long to beat? Let's see if it's on there. I'll also say the publisher is a publisher fellow traveler who have also put in like the laundry list of other great games that i've played recently where it's like they published neocab they published orwell they published hacknet they published oh, cool. um what's the other one that i saw um framed that mobile game that came that was very good stillness of the wind which is a game i heard people talk about at some point like there's just this i didn't know those publisher existed and they've put out a bunch of really super interesting games recently the f- the average appears to be between twelve and thirteen hours. Okay, good. That sure. That seems like, yep, great. Um, cool. Let's get through some news and let's start with the big one because I don't know how long this is going to take. Um, Microsoft have played their hand. They have yep. announced basically everything we need to know at this point about the the next generation of Xbox. There are. Let me just pull up, make sure I get all of the details. So you, are, you and now read technical specs for five minutes. No, there are no te- so the thing is, there are no technical specs, which is the only bit they haven't really got into yet. Um, oh, they talked about like what the CPU was and what the graphics But like in very basic what. levels, like here's the here's like the gigahertz of the CPU and here's the amount of RAM it has, but they haven't gone into ah, okay, like a sure. lot of depth. So there's two models, Series X, Series S. X is the powerful one, S is the less powerful one. The X is $499, uh, the S is $299. I think here it's 4 429 and 259 I think is what it is in the UK. Right, Let me just yeah. very quickly look this up. Uh, 449 for the X and 249 for the S um, in this country. Um, sure. November 10th, pre-order starts September 22nd. Um. Yeah, they they. So the I mean the, the story of it's just, it's just, they played their hand because it got leaked, right? Like that's they the... played their s hand. So basically, yeah. overnight one night. I mean, overnight for us, obviously, but like basically, like somebody tweeted and said, like, here's the screenshot of the s with a date and a price, and a, oh, because it was also the first time we'd ever seen the s. Like it was rumored, but nobody had actually seen it before. It's like here's a picture yeah. of it. Here's the price. Here's the release date. Um, here's what we have. And then somebody else was like, "Well, there's no point in me holding on to this anymore." And then just dropped the announcement trailer, like the 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 flashy CG mm-hmm. trailer for doing it. Yeah. And then the Xbox were like, "Okay, fine." And they put out the real version, the the high res version of that trailer, and a bunch of the details, and says, "We'll talk more very soon." And then like two days later, three days later, we're like, "And here's the X as well." with the same date and a, the price and all this kind of stuff. Um, they're also offering, uh, I don't know what the technical term is, but I've just been referring to it as contract pricing, where it's like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a contract. It's like a phone. That's it's like the, a phone contract, basically. I don't know what the, yeah. the technical term is, but... Um, uh, 24.9... Uh, sorry, this is the, U, the US one. I did have the UK thing sitting somewhere and i've lost the page now but yeah it's uh i think it's 20.99 a month for the s and 28.99 a month for the x it's something along those lines um and it's done through klarna who are a established um group in the in the uk that that or company yeah. in the uk that do that do this kind of stuff um there we go 28.99 for the x 
twenty ninety nine a month. The S for twenty four month contracts, sure. and that comes with twenty four months of Game Pass Ultimate, which is Game Pass for both PC and console and Xbox Live. Yep, whatever that is at this mm-hmm. point. And now EA Play as well, because that's and now EA Play, which is now part of Game Pass as well. So that's it's, all- it's, it, despite despite when you do the math, right? Yeah. And it ends up being double the price over two years. Well, it's, it depends- not, it's not a bad deal because you're also including Game Pass and yeah. EA Play and for if, two years. If you're taking that if you're taking that price as just for the console, yes, you're paying more of the same way you traditionally would for a console. But if you also yeah. include that, if you re- rethink it as you're buying the console and are getting a discount on Game Pass, it's actually not that different from what you the would price pay. you would just buy it. Which is weird yeah. to me for a number of reasons I'm not going to get into, but like, it feels weird that that's their contract because it's also zero percent APR. Like, it's not an, it's not a, there's no interest on it. So yeah, I don't know what the terms of contract are between Xbox and Klarna for how they're making money about this because it doesn't seem uh, they're making that much. But that's a whole other thing that we have to of knowing. Potentially, this is just like every other launch. Um launch console sort of thing where you take a hit on units to then make it back on software right yeah, like so isn't that how yeah. console launches typically go like well, that's just not necessarily like sony have not done that for the past two consoles um so i mean the larger conversation here about all of this like putting details to one side is this is super aggressive move from microsoft like this is cheaper than i think anyone thought this was going to go and both of those machines seem like pretty good deals for the price um especially the s like the s it was always assumed that the s oh the s is a ridiculously good price right but it it was always assumed that the s was going to be the cheap console so they could say the next generation of xbox starting at 249 but actually when you look at the specs of this thing and what they're claiming like they're targeting 1440p 60 for a box that costs 249 quid is yep astounding and then when you throw on top of that Game Pass, and you throw on top of that, backwards compatibility is an interesting one right now. That's kind of in flux based on some reports yeah. recently, but definitely 360 and Xbox original backwards compatibility. Um, that's an astoundingly good deal. Like, I, it's yeah, it's a deal. lot of sense. Like, it's the, sort of, it's the sort of thing where it's cheap enough for someone like us who are quote unquote like major game players or whatever like yeah. is our major hobby where if we 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 wouldn't because it's a, an expensive hobby have well it's different for us but you wouldn't have like someone buy say a ps5 and then also buy an xbox one x because yeah. that's really expensive yeah but you could potentially see someone buying a ps5 and then maybe an s later on yeah it's a very good low entry level price it's a very where, good second console price for sure yeah. for other people. I mean, it's weird. It's a different. It's a different story for people like us because there's not really a reason to have an S or an X for us because we have good PCs. Yeah. And Game Pass and stuff like that is now just becoming universal between the two, pretty much. Yeah. So it's not. It's not as it's not as good for us, yes. but it's definitely something that you could look at and be like, "That's not awful." Like it. it no, totally. It's not a terrible thing to have, and especially because when you look at what. I mean, 4K adoption has not been... Great. Well, it, it, it's weird, right? Where 4K adoption has not been great in the terms of people immediately went out and replaced their TVs when 4K yeah, became a thing. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know anybody with a 4K TV still to this day. Oh, well, I, I mean, I have one, but I only have oh, one... Other, because, than, other than you, but yeah. I only have one because it was the only... 
reasonable way I could get a decent sized TV. Like at the time when I was buying it, like buying a 55 inch TV that was not 4K was remarkably difficult. Sure. Um, and like it has 4K and HDR, but like the HDR seems actively bad in my TV. Um, mm. And like the 4K, I don't notice it that much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's the thing. Like, people were originally pitching 4K as like the same jump as it would be from coming from 2D to 3D. And you're like, no, it's yeah. just not that at all. Oh. So you talk about your average consumer who the S would be targeting as a single console purchase. Like, how many of them, one, are confident they have the they have 4K, use 4K day to day, and also would notice the difference? Like, probably not. Especially mm-hmm. if you've got like anything less than a, if you've got anything less than a 40 inch TV. Like, the difference is not gigantic. Um, and especially because it's not just targeting 1080p, it's targeting 1440. So it's even downscaling 1440 down to 1080. So it's going to look better already. And also that the fact that it's 1440 is interesting because that means it targets um, PC monitors as well as just TVs, which I had a whole discussion with somebody about how the world of... Because we actually we talked last time we recorded about pre-build PCs becoming a thing again yeah. because they're mm-hmm. actually quite good deals now like this also yeah, fine now. this also slots quite nicely into that where you could very much see twitch streamers or people who who would who where pre-builds are, are, are a thing that they are actively targeted sitting next to a pre-build pc because it targets their monitors they already have for their pc like there's that yep. argument as well um yeah it's, it's it's an incredibly good value thing and unless there's some extra bomb to be dropped so like the thing i was referring to earlier about backwards compatibility digital foundry just looked at the stats or just looked at the hardware that they're talking about in the s and says like the s has less ram than the the previous generation x the xbox one x oh okay which means that the s running previous x enhanced games might be difficult is what they're saying yeah. basically. So sure. the game, so the games you might be playing are the standard version of Xbox One games if you're taking the previous generation as opposed to the X upgraded versions, which is weird, but also plays into a lot of the stuff where you're like, what are you actually playing when you play a game on Xbox yeah. at this point? This is still this is a conversation that I've had with my friends and stuff like that of like when the specs and stuff got released, there were there was a guy that was like, oh man, this is so much more powerful than the consoles. Like it's a big leap up and it's like 250 quid and blah, blah, blah. I was like, you're not wrong, but at the same time, you need to know, we know targets, but we don't actually know what it's going to be pushing out. Yeah. Like, that's the problem yeah. is that without them explicitly saying, or someone having it in their hand, someone like a digital foundry, like the, totally. the line counters, the pixel counters that are going to be there being like, this is what the output actually is. It's not looking at it and being like, man, this is so much more powerful. doesn't actually mean anything without output. Exactly. It's, and it, especially yeah. like, because I, w- I would want both consoles plugged into a 1080p TV to see if there's a difference. Yeah. Like, is yeah. that extra horsepower used for when you plug it into 1080? Is it worth even bu- buying the X if you have a 1080 TV? Like, because you look at the specs and how they've, they've put them out and it is very much like, it is the same hardware just downclocked and with less RAM because, and the, the, the thinking is, and this appears to be backed up a lot by kind of anecdotal developers on Twitter and all this kind of stuff where they're basically like 
they can get away with this because the jump from 1080 or 1440 to 4K, just because it's twice the resolution does not mean it's twice the resources. Yeah. It is it's a it's a logarithmic thing. Um sorry, exponential thing. Um where if their whole message is that they are targeting 1440-60, like they can do a lot of the stuff that they would do on the X, on the S, at the lower resolution, and it means that their resources are smaller, uh, sorry, their like texture resolution is smaller, their general assets are smaller because they're only targeting 10A, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. That is the separation between the stats they're saying. It's not like, you're and and the S supports ray tracing, it supports HDR, it supports all the, the, the stuff that the big one does as well where it basically does seem like they are setting up a world in which these things are identical except one runs at 4K. Like, yeah. that appears to be the thing they're pushing. Whether that holds up, we which won't is how, to Which launch. is how they're... Which is, so this is the, the thing I was thinking about as well. So that, I, I agree with you that that's the... Seems to be the angle where it's like the only difference between these things is like one has 4K capability, yeah. which is the... Which is what they were doing before in the last cycle, but with half step consoles. That's why you yeah. got your Pro and your your X yeah. and whatever it was. Yeah. So does that mean that they they do that again this cycle? Because like, if you already have this disparity between your consoles, what's the point in having a half step? We don't totally. know. This is just all speculation. Sort it's of complete thing. speculation. They also, it- also all of the, all of this shit, like the the price and stuff like that. It's good talking about technical stuff, but the price and stuff like that doesn't matter without the context of Sony. Of like how much is their thing? Totally. Like and that, I, the conversation about price and stuff like that really doesn't matter until Sony tell us how much PlayStation is, and then you can have that conversation. Totally. Which is, I, I mean, we'll we'll get to we'll get to price and Sony in a second, but like the, to to follow up on what you said there, this is the first. Yes, we had half step consoles last generation, and they didn't sell particularly well because. No. Yeah especially in the case of the PS4 Pro, where you have such a wide install base of the PS4, the only people who upgraded Pros were the same type of people who are early adopters of 4K, the um, that kind of level of consumer anyway. The, trail, the trailblazers, the tech it's, trailblazers. Yes, the, the day one purchasers. This yeah. is the first generation of console we've ever had, correct me if I'm wrong, where you have two models at launch, right? You have the... I think so, you yeah. Have the, you have the... And again, like, I don't mean this to be a disrespect other than, talking other, about other, it. Other than like... Other than like um, hard drive space and stuff like that, yeah. There were other variants than of hard drive space totally, and, yeah. Um, and this is the first time at launch where you have a, you, where you have where you have the the small one and the big one, right? The good one and the bad one, right? Like yeah. that's very reductive, but that's how I've and seen you know people what, yeah, talk about it. Yeah, that's how a lot of people are going to see it. Yeah, right. So it because and again, the, the thing I've been wrestling with since since taking all of this stuff in is is the question of do you know what you're actually playing and do you care? And those are two separate questions, right? Where you get, yeah. so you, you say you get the S for Christmas or whatever, right? And you're playing, you're playing Cyberpunk, right? Sure. Yeah. Which has a, which they have said so far is getting a free X upgrade, right? They were very yep. specific about what the upgrade is, right? So if you, if you have an S and you buy Cyberpunk, are you getting fuck are you getting the xbox one version up are you getting the series s version which is theoretically different or are you getting a downgraded version of the x like what are you actually yeah. playing at that point right 
And I'm sure most people don't care, right? I'm sure that most people are like... No, I, I'm, I'm sure so long as it looks... As long as they can perceive it looks better yeah. than their 1X or whatever, then they don't really care. Exactly. The... And they have, they have the advantage as well where, like... I mean, we haven't talked about launch games yet, of which there are basically none. But yeah, we're going to get the graphics card effect that we've been dealing with in PCs for years where you get the new console, you play your old game, and it's better, right? Because... Yeah both the Series X and the PS5 are doing upgrades on, not not hard upgrades, but like they're using the hardware to make higher resolution, better frame rate versions of, or it will run your, yeah, your totally. previous gen games better, right? So you're going to get your new console regardless of what it is, and Destiny's going to run better, Madden's going to run better, Call of Duty's going to run better. Like all of your games are going to run better on this new one, theoretically. So you're going to get that bump at least, even if you don't have a Halo to show it off in inverted commas. Um... You're going to get that bump, but you have to wonder what's going to happen when S players start to see what the X versions of these games look like and will yeah. they feel gypped. And again, yeah. if you're if you're 13, 14, 15, and this is a Christmas present from parents or grandparents, like you're not going to have oh, that yeah, sure. you're not going to have that choice, right? They're going to get you the S and it's and you're going to be fine probably, right? But if you're actually yeah. a consumer who are like is it worth me getting the X? Over, which is which is almost twice the price of the S. What am I getting for my money? Is it just 4K? Is that worth the extra thing? Is it worth the extra money? Like all of that kind of stuff. Like, do, will it bother you that you're not playing the best version of that game? Yeah, is the kind of th- the core thing. Because 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 like as a person who on PC like still runs a 1080p monitor like i don't have a 120 hertz monitor i don't run 1440 like i run to everything 1080p on this thing yeah. i don't care if i can get the exact same looking game running higher resolution like i have zero needs for that and don't care i'm probably yeah. going to see the difference anyway so i would be fine playing the games as they are like i'm going to play cyberpunk entirely cranked up but at 1080 right i don't need anything more than that so it doesn't bother me that I could buy a 3080 and play it at 4K. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, it will, a lot of it, come probably down to personal preference. I don't care either. Like, I'm not that crazy to yeah. where I need to, I need the highest spec and I need this at the highest resolution or whatever. As long as it looks good, I don't really mind. Exactly. But, um, and the problem is... The there, answer- will, there will be people out there that are like, I need the highest thing, right? That's totally. The- and it's the it's the it's the in the middle bit is the bit I don't know. Like, are people going to get the S? And if the the gulf between the S and the X is so vast that it is one visible, yeah. and like if people can like if if shitlords on YouTube can make those split split videos, oh they will, yeah, 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 they will. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if they're noticeable at like 1080p YouTube resolutions, or like they're missing features, or like hey the yeah. But the fact that both consoles have ray tracing. Both consoles have the same hardware, just clocked down. Like theoretically, the difference is not going to be vast, but it really depends how people are going to use it. Especially in a world where they're also going to have to target two other consoles for most third-party games, right? Which also have different yeah. specs and different levels of of um, of power. Um, and also, the important thing to say as well as well, the S has no disk drive, and yep. The S has 512 gig SSD. The X has a one gig SSD, both of which are replaceable, but only replaceable by official Microsoft yes. SSDs. Um, 512 gig on a console that has no disk drive is not a lot of space. Nope. And especially because they both consoles actually have built their, I mean, all four consoles, both 
both families of consoles have built so much of this generation around fast load times you're not going to be able to hook yeah. a five terabyte hard drive up the same way you would for the xbox one x unless they have some mechanism in there for like there's like a long-term storage on a USB USB hard drive that you then move on to the SSD to play your game. Like, unless they've got that level of stuff in there, like five hundred. Yeah, me too. Five hundred twelve gig yeah. is not a lot of space on a digital only no, console. It's not. Um, <clears throat> and even a terabyte on the X, a game that is got using if they use their smart delivery thing, is going to be downloading four K assets yeah. constantly for their games, like. A terabyte is not a lot of space, right? Like in the grand scheme of things. Um, oh yeah, I guess when you're talking about downloading 4K textures, that's going to be right. Which is the whole thing yeah, with smart delivery, right? It will download the things it needs for the device you're downloading it on. Because right, like, for comparison, right? Because we're we're going to talk about launch titles and stuff like that because there aren't any. Yeah. But one of the one of the major ones at this point now is Destiny Beyond Light. Like that comes yeah. out same sort of time. Destiny already, right now, as it stands, before any sort of thing, is like almost 100 gig. 108. So last I don't know time I checked. What, before I uninstalled yeah, it, it was 108 gig. Yes. I don't know what that looks like with 4K assets. Like, that is. I mean, theoretically, that's a P- lot. theoretically, PC version has that, right? Or maybe it doesn't. In theory, but point. I don't know. That's the thing. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's not a lot of hard drive space. And if this is their play to really get the price down, like, I, it's, I get it, and I'm not horrendously angry about it. I'm more, it's more a case of like, people are going to realize this just a little bit too late. I think because if you get, because say you get your S for Christmas, right, and you're, you're your the the three game a year player, right? So you grab Madden, you grab the new Call of Duty, yeah, and you grab yep. like Fortnite or whatever it is, right? Yeah, that's probably. Depending on Madden and, and the new Call of Duty, Call of Duty is renowned for being large because of the way their engine works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That might be your 512 gig done. Like, that might be it. Which, yeah. for, for if those are the three games you're going to play and you're going to swap Madden out for next year's Madden, like, you're probably good. But anyone who plays anything more than that, like, you're scuppered pretty quick. Oh, yeah. And, and then that then relies on... If, if their play, maybe, is that they're expecting, like high broadband adoption to come in the next five years where like because like as like having having gigabit internet has totally changed my relationship with steam right because <laughs> at this point you can then go because it's exactly what i did with destiny right where i ran out of space on my game hard drive and it was like well i'm not playing destiny regularly anymore if at all is 100 yeah. gig on my hard drive yeah. and if i really do need to get destiny back to like play a raid or some content that i actually want to play i can get it in an hour ish yeah. So like that's totally changed. Like if, my yeah, if you want to play Beyond Light or whatever. Then. Exactly. Like that's totally changed my relationship to to Steam, right? But if you're not able to do that, which is a vast majority of this country, um, and then you you map that to the US where broadband speeds are it's even worse. Yeah. Worse. Like, what do you do in a case of like? I mean, we've already had situations with um, Modern Warfare where they are putting like season patches or fifty gig in that game, right? Yeah, was on patches of fifty gig, yeah. and you're like, that's already if you're on 10, 20 megabit internet or worse, like that's a day, right? And then you yeah. throw on data caps and you throw on all like, like you having that level of hard drive and that level of, ado- of broadband adoption is difficult as a prospect. 
basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. So then, like you're saying, the next step of this, which may be happening on Wednesday, who knows? But PS5 now have to come out and do their thing, right? And yeah, they have to. They have to. They have like to it was, I was again when I was talking to my friends about this, where it was like MS MS blinked first, and I was like, well, kind of. It got leaked, so they kind of got forced to do it, but they've now forced Sony into doing it. Because yeah. obviously, Sony probably didn't want to do it either. Yeah, but totally. now. They have to. My, like, my guess, they, cannot, my, they, cannot, they cannot sit in silence and announce it when they wanted to anymore. Yeah. My, my, my original bet was going to be when the S leaked and Xbox confirmed it and said, like, yep, the S is real. Here's the price. Here's the date. We'll yeah. talk more in the future. My guess was going to be what was going to happen was they were going to announce the S or leak or confirm the S, wait for Sony to do their PlayStation stuff and then announce the X, which undercuts both so, of them. Yeah. That was my my thought was it was going to be some sort of elaborate bait into getting Sony to announce yeah. the main price of the PS5 yeah. to then undercut them with the X, yeah. but they didn't do that. So now the longer that this sits and and the minds of people having like, oh man, Microsoft have a two hundred and fifty quid console, yeah. the longer that sits there, the worse it is for Sony. Yeah. So they need to and the very quickly do something. And the unfortunate bit for sony probably is going to be that they it's it's nigh on impossible that for them to match either of those prices no, i think zero there is there is zero chance that they undercut any of them like is, they are a, going to be more expensive there are remarkably high chance that both of their versions of consoles are going to be more expensive than the x just based yep. on what they've said sony as a company like when, when you take until especially when you take into account like the hardware that they're t- they've been talking about at the level they've been talking about and also Sony as a company right now where PlayStation is the only part of Sony that's making any money yep. which is a thing that they have that, like their last investor call had that like the PlayStation thing is the most is the only profitable part of Sony right now as they are yep. dealing with a bunch of stuff like there is no way Sony management will allow them to take a hit on that console in order to be able no, to get it out there so and also, like, you look at this the setup between the two consoles about what they've said so far, right? Unless Sony are going down the same plan, which they haven't advertised or really talked about, about what the digital edition is, but them claiming it as a digital edition as opposed to, like, a different name, like the PS5 Lite or something like that, suggests yeah. that that thing is going to be the PS5 without a disk drive, right? Which is a- that's that's yeah. The the assumption is that it's going to be the PS5 equivalent of the S, where it's like no disk drive. Well, no, I'm or- saying I'm saying it's less than that, right? Because the fact that they, the fact that Microsoft have the S and the X as separate like brand names means they can have different yeah. specs. The fact that this yeah. is the PS5 digital edition suggests that it is uh, the okay, same okay. hardware, just minus a disk drive. Minus a end- disk drive, yeah. Because you end up in weird territory there, right? Where if we assume that both of these... Co- like, well, one, what are you saving not putting a, a disk drive into this thing? Like, 50 bucks at most? Like, how much is a a, a high-quality D- uh, Blu-ray drive? 50, 70 dollars, yeah, maybe? Like, like yeah. you're not saving that much. So then you go, okay, it's a digital edition. So does that mean that the digital edition is going to have a bigger hard drive than the re- the big one? Well, no, because they can't do that because you can't no. have you can't have the cheaper thing having a higher spec than the more expensive thing, right? No. So yeah, what? Doesn't work. So what is the point in this digital edition then? If all it's going to save is because there is a two hundred no, 
a hundred dollars, well, more than a hundred dollars of difference between the Xboxes. If yeah. there's a fifty quid difference in these PlayStation Fives, and both of them are more expensive than the Xbox, like what yeah. is the point in this smaller model at this point? Ah, unless, unless no. they are also doing the 1080p 4K targeting thing, which they haven't advertised, yeah, they haven't, they haven't signaled, they haven't signposted. Like none of that is there. They've basically talked nothing about what the difference in those consoles are going to be. Um, but yeah, I bet there were some puckered buttholes in Sony when that. Oh yeah, what's happened? I, I, I'm assuming there was a meeting that was had on the same day in there was some a, boardroom somewhere. There was an all hands called for sure. Yeah, all hands, yeah. Unless they knew this already, which is not, which is not unlikely, considering like these companies are probably talking to each other in back rooms anyway. Like, yeah, what what do they do in this situation? Right, if they already have a, if they have a price locked at this point, which I assume they would have to, considering they've been manufacturing them for a while. Yeah, unless, unless, unless they just go fuck it and match prices, which I cannot, I can't see that happening. No, I just can't. Unless they're pl- they're planning on playing the, hey, it's a PlayStation. You love PlayStation because you've been with the PS4 is the best. Unless they just, That's... unless this is an entire replay of the PS3, like yeah, which is a bad idea. That's like, a, do not do that. Uh, yeah, that, it doesn't work from the last time, but like that's. The more the more you sit and think about it in terms of price, that's kind of the only play that they have. Like totally. it's the only card they have in their hand is that exactly. they have this massive install base. And they but, cannot it would be a very bad idea for them to burn the goodwill that they've generated. Up yeah, to this totally. Point. Yeah, yeah. Um so it does leave the question of what does what what do you do? Like do you they maybe they may have their backs against the wall here and just have to do it and try and make a case for why it's a that's, better better deal. That's, uh, that's totally what I'm expecting. Like I am expecting them to come up with a price and have it be more expensive, and then just try and make it work. Like, like you need, you need to show me. They have, to, they have to work super hard. Like they have to show you yeah. this is the reason why 150 pounds. But exactly, you need to show me 150 pounds worth of expensive games. Like, totally. Yeah, that's a lot of work that you have to do, especially especially in a world where Microsoft have Game Pass, right? Which is a which yeah. is a which is a system seller. Like that is a for sure a thing. Like if I can. If I can buy Game Pass for was it seven ninety nine a month, nine ninety nine a month, whatever Somewhere it is at this point, yeah. like and have access to all of these games, like at whim, like that's a super enticing deal, right? Like in a world yeah, where in a world where the PlayStation alternative to that is now, which is streaming, right? Which yeah. doesn't which doesn't work for everyone. Has a weird selection of library, a uh, weird library selection, like. It's just not the same level of quality product that, that Game Pass is, right? They just can't compete in that way. So unless they come out with like, and here's the PlayStation Game Pass, or like, here's how we're yeah. playing PlayStation Now, or here's what PS Plus is getting you now, and it's like six game. Like, they have to show 150 pounds worth of value in this thing that is not going to show when they put up. Here's what Assassin's Creed looks like on our console, because yeah, anyone watching hard. that stream will not see a difference. Like at all, yeah. those games will look identical nope. to the to to most people. Um, and the, the yeah. weird thing is, like, like you said before, like for for us specifically, like the Xbox does make a lot of sense because Game Pass exists, and we've invested time and money into a PC setup, right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. where we're going to play this stuff, and that's fine. I'm probably still going to buy a PlayStation Five because playstation traditionally has developers and games that i am interested in playing that do not come to the xbox because and to be honest a lot of them are like japanese developed or they're smaller 
or because PlayStation have done the work to get a lot of indie stuff on there, like there, there's reasons why I'm still, I would probably still pick up yeah. a PS5. Like but, I, I am, I am, I, I definitely wouldn't get it at launch because they've not. So that's actually the question anything, now, right? Like I am, but... we are both now in a prime position. Both for uh, I think for the first time for both of us at least to buy this console at launch in terms of disposable yeah. income in terms of like interest all that stuff we are primed to be there at midnight to pick this thing up, but I might probably won't do it right I won't, yeah. because like I I legitimately have I've never been a part of the whole launch night experience for a console and like I I want to be part of it at some point. It seems like that's an interest, like go line up somewhere at midnight yeah. and go, well, not now because of the virus, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? But be part of the zeitgeist of this launch of consoles. But totally. neither of them have done anything convincing to be like, obviously because they haven't talked about it very much yet, but I don't know what they could say to so, be like, you want this at launch. Unless they you, come out and, I don't know. So if you look at the Xbox yeah, there's Series a, there's X... A new, there's a new Kotor game exclusively for PS5. Like, right. that's... Exactly, right. That so would do it, but, like, that's... So you look at the Series X, the official website, right, for their... that came with the announcement. Like, one super slick website. I'll give them credit for that. Um, but you get down to the point where it is, like... Okay, here are the games, right? That they are pitching up front. Here are the reasons to buy this console, right? And it is Halo Infinite, which is delayed, not at launch... Fable, which is not a game, Forza, which hasn't been announced, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is a cross-platform game, yeah. mm-hmm. Destiny 2 Beyond Light, which is a cross-platform game, Avowed, yep. which is not a game yet, because that's Obsidian's RPG, which is yeah. we know nothing about, Everwild is the IP from Rare that we know very little about, Crossfire X, yep. which is a like a Chinese-developed, like massively multiplayer shooter i don't actually know what that game is but i know it's yeah i know it's fucking I huge think, in asia so who knows yeah, it's, yeah. um stalker 2 which just got announced yep warhammer Forty Thousand dark tide which is yep i don't even know what that that's game the, is 40k vermintide game oh vermintide yes tide right got you okay the medium which is the only game well not the only game medium i'm super interested in but also is that's the that, akira yamoka that's the akira yamoka you- blooper team yeah. horror game Watch Dogs Legion, which is cross-platform. Yakuza yeah. Like a Dragon, which is cross-platform. And Scarlet Nexus, that I've never heard of. Like, those are the games they're saying, half of them are not going to be available at launch. But more than half of them yeah. are going to be available at launch. And also, like, there's nothing in there that is, like, a big, like, tentpole. Like, like a lot killer, of people... yeah. Yeah. And that's exclusive as well as the other point, right? And again, in a world where we are finally getting to the stage where cross-platform and cross-play... Sorry, cross-play and cross-whatever are finally becoming a thing. Like, that becomes less... Like that becomes less of a, a deal, but like if you're looking at this to be like, like the only thing I can, re- the only reason I can think of buying either of these consoles at launch right now is you going, I'm gonna buy it eventually. I might as well just do it now, right? Yeah, because it's not like they're gonna be usurped by a like a new hardware thing before something viable comes along. And I, and I, and I definitely think like if the games you're interested in this Christmas are like Assassin's Creed and Cyberpunk and some other stuff, like. It makes a lot of sense for you to get your next console to play it the best possible way if you only have a console. Sure. Like that makes total sense yeah. to do that. But like as some as people who already have PCs, like this is just a non there's there's zero reason to get this. Yeah, it's not like not anything. Literally the only reason we would look at e- I would look personally at either of these consoles if I wanted something that played a bunch of previous generation 
not previous generation, previous previous generation games, right? Because I don't. Have... You want to be able to play PS3 games? That's the like anything from that generation, right? Which yeah, I have zero weight. Well, I do. I have a PS3 in a cupboard somewhere, but I don't know if it still works. But like the ability to be able to go and do that, especially if those things become part of Game Pass, which it sounds like they are. Like that's a yeah. that's a that's a you you wants you wants to buy an S. Specifically, just to play S six three. Nobody's letting me play S six. Ewan wants to spend two hundred and fifty pounds to play a game that was on the PS two. Can someone just remaster it and let Please. him spend twenty instead of two hundred and fifty? Look at him; he's he's a wreck. Like he's so yeah, sad. Exactly. And he's going to spend two hundred and fifty pounds to play S six three, yeah. a game from like two thousand eight or something like yep. that when that was out. Uh-huh. Was that when it was out? Something like that. S six three. Was before that. When was S six three out? Two thousand three. Fuck me. Yeah. That's yeah. such an old game. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's kind it's of a good game. Though. It's, it's really an excellent game. game. Um. So that's kind of that's kind of the thing. Like it's painted this really interesting picture. Like for. For people who are not us, like this is a super aggressive, bold first move, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for them to just go right here it is, and like, I'm gonna, I would willingly put money down that they're gonna undercut one, if not both, of the PlayStation consoles. Like, oh, absolutely. This, the, this yeah. fight is that suddenly super interesting again, but it's both we we are, and unless so, the other thing is that um, just today or when we're recording this, Microsoft announced, uh, Sony announced, uh stream for wednesday so the day after you're hearing this where right. it's a showcase and they're theoretically talking about launch games and beyond is the wording but they've also said this is the last one of these before console launch which is a weaselly way of have to say something then. unless there this is some weaselly way of saying there will be a separate non-showcase stream where we go here you go or they just do what microsoft did and right. go boom there you go yeah like, here's a tweet here's like, a tweet like again it just to show how weird the world is on top of fucking everything else the idea that microsoft announced their console both consoles on a wednesday via tweet yeah. and sony yeah. have just announced their next con well, their again next they did that because they did that because they had to like it they didn't leaked. have to they didn't like, have to announce the x they didn't have to announce the X. The, true, X yeah, been a, the X could have been a much more structured thing. Um, and then Sony announcing their next live stream on a Saturday afternoon for a Wednesday is just like yeah, it it just it's, 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 the world. it breaks all the rules, right? And it's good. Like this has been a super interesting fight. So we will see what happens. Yeah, PlayStation Five showcase on September sixteenth, where they are. I'm just going to see what yeah. what their official wording is on this thing. I'm just watching. I'm watching this battle of the internet play SSX three, and he's terrible. It's, right, he's okay. very bad at SSX. This is a very short post on the PlayStation blog. Okay, so quote from Sid Sherman, senior director of SIE Content Communications. Before PS5 launches this holiday, we want to give you one more look at some of the great games coming to PS5 at launch and beyond. Our next digital showcase will weigh in at forty minutes and feature updates on the latest titles from Worldwide Studios and our world class development partners. Tune in live on Twitch and YouTube this Wednesday at 1pm PDT, 9pm BST to see what's next for PS5. So that is very much not saying launch date and price. Yeah, that's very much not saying anything about a console. But but it's also saying we want to give you one more look at some of the great games is a a very weaselly way of saying like we can announce that stuff as a separate 
bundle later. So I'm not, and the fact that it's 40 minutes, I'm not expecting it to have any of those details because yeah, they've they've gone hard on some of the technical stuff, like very technical stuff with like that Mark Cerny presentation. Had Mark Cerny talk for an hour and a half, but like that doesn't yeah. like the people who care, but the people who watch that thing and care about that thing are not the people they're targeting. Like they need no, to have, know, yeah. they need to have their big dump of like price, date, features, like specs, specs. Like mainstream specs, not like technical technical specs. Like yeah, mainstream yeah, yeah. specs, launch games, and then like no, neither of them so far have had the um, um, services discussion, right? Like I've watched now both the Xbox streams and the PlayStation streams so far. Both of them have both said multiplayer requires a subscription, which suggests that yeah. Xbox Live and PS Plus are still a thing for multiplayer yep. games. I think they've not talked about, um, and like I don't think anyone cares at this point. I think Microsoft would obviously be very specific about them saying this, considering what happened with the Xbox One. But like, are these things going to play Netflix? Are they going to play Amazon? What is the what is the connection on the back of these things? Like, does it have is it does it have display ports? Like, there's a bunch of other stuff that they need to get to that they could theoretically launch as a fact later, but like. There's some there's some core questions they need to get to that they have not got to yet, um, that are important I think, which they're not going to get to in forty minutes if they actually want to talk about games. So yeah, and again, if this is the, this is the last time they're going to talk about games before like a thing comes out, which is what they're saying, they have a lot of work to do in forty minutes to match what Microsoft have put forward, basically. Um, so yeah, it's it's fascinating. It really is. Yeah, it's it's I, I'm yeah, it's a thing. It's I, yeah, I can't, it's sure as a thing. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. No um, idea. And then very quickly, it's, it's, it remains to be a super interesting totally. console release cycle. Yep, for sure. Um, and then very quickly, the last two things I've got. Um, the fucking Mario pack. Like, there's not a lot to say here in this that hasn't already been said, but I would just like to. I would like to add my own two cents to this. This thing is fucking wild. And I don't fuck understand. That shit. Is that I do not understand what. It, well, I, no. The problem is, I a hundred percent understand what Nintendo is doing, and it's fucked. Yeah. So for people who haven't yeah. seen this, this is the thirty fifth anniversary of Mario, and they have announced they announced a bunch of stuff um, at stream last week or the week before you're hearing this. Um, we announced like Mario Brothers two or whatever it is is coming to like the virtual console and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the big thing that people were paying attention to was the Super Mario. What are they calling it? Super Mario 3D All Stars, which is a Switch pack yes. of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy One in a pack. Yes, which immediately raised a bunch of questions. Which is one: Why does Super Mario 64 look identical to the original 64? Like it hasn't been touched up or remastered or nope. anything. No, nope. um, that sure as shit looks like motion controls in my Galaxy. Which means how do you play this on handheld mode? Um, so all of that stuff is all there, but these games basically look untouched and are just launching. Also, where's yeah. Galaxy Two, a game which some people thought was better than One? Like, I mean, could... I I I would put Galaxy Two in instead of Mario Sixty Four, but right. I hate the N Sixty Four as a whole thing. Yeah, so I don't know what. Like Sixty Four um, at this point is interesting as a as a as a. If you've never played 64, you look at that game and the time it came out, you're like, yeah, this thing was a fucking revolution. 100%. 
but yeah, also, but play, play it now and it's garbage. It's not yeah, a fun so game to problem. play right now. It's not it's a fun game to play right now. Yeah, it's you, um, Galaxy One and Galaxy Two. I can imagine holding up, and Sunshine is very divisive. Sunshine is a very polarizing game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but I can understand why they would include it because yes. a lot of people really like it. But yeah. Um. So then the other massive what the fuck part of this thing is that this is a limited time package right so there's a digital edition and there's a physical edition that both of which will only be available to sale until march 2021 so and after that they will be removed according to them be removed from the store and no longer be able to purchase be purchased but if you've already purchased it you can re-download it like they're very explicit about that what the fuck like this, this is the first time that Sony, eh, Sony. The fir- this is not the first time that Nintendo have done this, where they have done time limited things before to do this kind of weird yeah. fucking FOMO effect. Which, yeah. But like, what for a package that already has a bunch of what the fuck behind it? Adding this on top of it and being like, and you can only get it to March twenty twenty one. All that does is suggest like, does that mean in March twenty twenty one you're going to do like? Because that's the thing, like, a remaster. Nobody, nobody wins in that situation, right? Because if you are a hardcore Nintendo fan, you're like, finally, I can play Galaxy on my Switch. And then you buy this day one, and then March 2021, they're like, and here's Galaxy 1 and 2 HD, or whatever, remaster. Like, I if, mean, they do, if they actually the, do the, the work. People, the, people, the people that care are going to buy both anyway. And that's like, the that's problem, the... right? Like, that, this is the problem. This is Nintendo doing the thing, right? Where they're like, we know people will buy this shit regardless so we're gonna do we're just gonna fuck with like it all of this makes total business sense and makes zero consumer sense is the point i'm trying to make right like there's nothing here that you need to continually support that it would be difficult to continually support after a certain amount of time like we're not talking like limited events and stuff like Fortnite and call of duty where it's like well the reason why it's limited is because we can't leave as or the, the entirety of the entirety of playing destiny 2 or the, exactly <laughs> like the reason yeah. why we can't we can't leave that in because it means we can't we'd have to then support this thing in yeah. a game that gets progressively bigger and bigger and becomes a nightmare deep like this is just a they're not gonna add new content to this thing they're not like releasing it in bits like they're gonna put this thing out and then they're gonna take it away so you better have bought it yep. up till then and you're just like it's yep. the most blatantly, transparently business decision thing ever that I just, I'm fascinated that this is the decision that they've made. Like, makes oh, it's, total, it's super interesting. Makes yeah, this... total business sense, makes the most anti-consumer fucking thing I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. Also, it yeah. Have Galaxy 2, what the fuck? Nope, like, no idea. Yeah. Bizarre. Also, apparently, I haven't been able to confirm this because I haven't looked into it too hard, but that um, Mario 35 thing, like it's the like thirty five Mario's dropping on an island game that they announced as well. Oh yeah, it's like, forgot it's like, about that. So it's like, hey, do you remember that browser thing that was super cool? Like at the start of the year, that Microsoft seasons assisted uh, Nintendo's uh, seasons assisted so hard, and then yes. announced this game that is basically yep. that with thirty five players. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, the whole thing is like it's thirty five people playing a Mario level at once. And you can interact with each other and bounce off each other's heads and first person to the end wins. It's Fall Guys, but Mario, basically. Um, That is also going to be time limited, apparently. Great. Which... Amazing. That's a game that is just going away. Like, because that needs a server, right? That's not just like a thing. Like, that needs server access. It's like, are you not going to sell it? Are you going to continue to support it? Like, what the the fuck? 
Like, what the actual fuck? It's... Oh, I don't... Ugh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, And the last thing I'll, I'll mention briefly, just because I thought it was interesting. Well, okay, actually, there's two things that are both related. So, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, Ubisoft had another stream during the week um, with Ubisoft Forward. Is that what they're calling these things? Yeah, Ubisoft Forward. Um... Which, like, before it started, had a was already a bad fucking move because they pulled the. So I'm sure anyone listening to this would already knows about the horrendous stuff that Ubisoft have been accused of um, over the past couple of months. Um, straight up sexual assault, like bad work environments, like very oppressive work environments, very bad management. All of this kind of stuff is all in there, yep. which they have basically like shuttered off into a box and said like don't worry we're dealing with it and said nothing um where um and then so and then for the last stream where this had all just come out or a bunch of this had come out they put out like this text statement on twitter which said like hey we're not addressing this in this stream for time constraints yeah we are still dealing with it don't worry you're like Time constraints you didn't play on a fucking video. Like you could have done something it's, here. Yeah, like t- in a in a in a stream that you control. Yeah. That can that go is, on for as long as you want. Time is, constraints aren't an issue. Yeah, that is not live, that you're not relying on yeah. people in people in specific places. Like you could have just done this. You could have put this text up before the stream if you wanted. Like there's yep. not there's you could run it as the pre-roll, even, right? Yeah, just have that as the pre-roll, it's fine. Um so then this time around some of us maybe were expecting that maybe this is the time where they maybe start this with a and here's where we are in this process of dealing with this horrendous issue and they pulled the same shit again where they got eve's at least they got eve out on a camera to talk for four minutes about the three controversies that ubisoft is now involved in at this point which is like hey we're still investigating the allegation stuff we're really sorry we're sorry for making we're casting blm as the villains for our shitty mobile game and we're donating a bunch to the double uh, NAACP and you're like okay, okay and then there was something else the third one as well which is like general covid like we hope you're all being safe and it's affecting our games and blah, blah, blah drop that whole thing on twitter as where the tweet actually said something along the lines of like before we get to forward here's a message yeah. from eve with this four minute apology non-apology thing to which somebody responded i think it was i don't think it was anyone like in the industry or anything, like somebody just responded to them was like essentially like this ain't it chief like this kind of like yeah why is this not, not this. why is this not part of the stream like you could have just done this as part of the stream and then somebody yeah. some poor person on the ubisoft communications team was like due to time constraints we couldn't put it as part of the stream you're like what again again <laughs> Not only has this not just come out and you have to develop a PR strategy around this thing, which which there's a, a poor but argument for why this happened last time. Like, it has been months, a number of months. You have had time to plan for this. You've had time for Eve to sit with a script and film a video. Do not give me this time constraints bullshit of why this is not there. And I, I, I wrote some of this up on Twitter um, and I understand there was a couple of developers in my Twitter feed who were saying like, I understand the feelings on this thing are mixed, but there's an argument to be made that this is an opportunity for the work that a lot of developers have been caught up in this bullshit that is zero fault of their own and all of this is just management 
fucking with them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. There is a world in which that they want the stream to celebrate the work that developers have done and not have it mired under the, sh- the shitty management. And I, I empathize with that argument, but personally, it makes it very difficult for me to connect to that one, the latter without the former, right? Which is yeah, like, totally. Yeah. If that stream is before them, them putting out like, like putting straight out on front and saying like we are accepting this criticism, we are accepting that we have fucked up, we are dealing with it, putting it up front in the front of your thing, to where the public can see it is the kind of core part of this. Like some kind of a trip, not attrition. Um, forgotten the word. Some kind of like accepting that they fucked up and doing something about it as part of their main thing that everyone will see feels like an important part of the step, right? As opposed to them yeah, totally, yeah. burying it on Twitter for all of the people who I assume, based on how Ubisoft have treated a lot of this, assume that Twitter are the only people that care and if we just placate them, it'll eventually go away. <laughs> like, like, don't give us this time-limited bullshit. Like, you, like, you're controlling this message so that people who don't already know about this horrific shit will continue to not know about the surfing shit and will buy Watch Dogs yeah. in November, right? Like, that's that's blatantly what this is. I mean, I can't think of another yep. reason for doing this. I, I, there's no, yeah, there's no reason to do that other than, totally. like, burying it. Like, that's yeah. the... And I, like I said, I 100% empathize with every developer in Ubisoft who's just trying to make cool shit. And like I said on Twitter, I like a lot of the cool shit that Ubisoft does. I am, I would say that I am a fan of Ubisoft's output for sure. But yeah, sure, yeah. But, like... And like like we were saying, like Watch Dogs still looks super cool. Like that that trailer was the thing that was like, yep, I'm a hundred percent on board for what the thing they're trying to do. Yep. They've got Stormzy, like it, all of that stuff is super cool, and I'm super interested in Watch Dogs, right? But they are abdicating the responsibility of do you continue to like again? You end up within this weird like morass of like separating art from artist stuff that is just not worth dealing with here but you have to be comfortable yourself funding a a a a company a corporation that has done some nefarious shit to its employees because you enjoy Mm -hmm. the work the employees do and hey yep capitalism's real good at that but you have to be comfortable in making that um and personally i have to be comfortable in making that choice and if they had put that video before the stream for everyone to see i would be more comfortable making that choice because at yeah, least they're absolutely. showing yeah. they're showing some remorse right to everyone and, to, and again i switched on that stream five minutes early where they were doing the pre-roll and they were showing clips of streamers playing ubisoft games right there's yep. no time limited bullshit here at all. like that is nope. a lie that is a yeah, it's pr a bad, lie. bad thing yeah. um so yeah that whole thing was kind of that that whole thing was just like I get the argument I, I personally can't it's a different thing for me and people make, can make their own decisions and I'm not judging anyone making any decisions I'm no absolutely pers- yeah. personally for me like it would be much easier for me to go fuck yeah watchdogs if they'd at least put that thing front and centre and not bind yeah, it for who they assume actually cares it's yeah but also watchdogs look super cool <laughs> like that's the other thing yeah it does Watch Dogs yep. looks really nice. That game's coming out soon. October, right? right? October. Yeah, I think so. so. Um, End of October. Yeah. So then the other part of that stream that I thought was very funny was um, 
the re-reveal of Gods and Monsters as a reworked or renamed game <laughs> called called Immortals Phoenix Rising, which may be yes. the worst game name I've heard in a while because not only is it three words that can be put in any order to make sense, um, yep. Phoenix is spelt wrong and there's no colon. So, like, good luck ever Googling that game. It took me three goes to find the official website just as it was announced. Um, but fuck me, does that game look like Breath of the Wild? Holy shit. Yeah. Like... Every single, every single they, they they put a big gameplay thing at the end of the conference, and every single yeah. thing we looked at it, it was like, man, they really liked Breath of the Wild, didn't they? Like, like there was a lot of visually, mechanically, just in terms of yep. structure, like every single part of it was like, I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what I I I, I told you about it, but there was a. One of the they were gliding, they were gliding, they were gliding over some grass, and you saw some horses, and you were like, man, I bet those are tameable. You're like, yeah, they probably are. Like that's that's. Probably what that game is. Yeah, um, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to find the exact quote, but um, wh- when they announced it, um, or when they showed it off again, what I think it was a Polygon reporter retweeted the preview they did of Gods and Monsters at E3 last year, and the exact quote was incredible. It was oh god, I'm fucking lost this thing. Um, but it was basically the lines of like. I don't know if I've just witnessed plagiarism or straight up theft. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we t- we've talked on here before about um, they talked on we've talked on here about that Chinese game that is still coming out or Chinese developed game that's still coming out that is at the time people in China at the at China, whatever the Chinese E3 thing was were like, yo, this is just a straight up clone of Breath of the Wild. Like, this is yeah. like slightly better than that but not by much well, yeah, they've, they've, they've put their own work into it in terms of like setting and character design and stuff like that like they've done work to it but it's the raw bones that you can see and even even stylistically yeah like for for me it's really the thing that does it for me is like a lot of these games where you look at their explosions right and and like and it sounds like a really dumb thing but if you look at the like the style of the thing that they're trying to make, right? You look at the explosions in these games and, like, Breath of the Wild had this really specific, not cel-shaded look, but, like, painterly watercolory thing where, like, explosions were, like, 2D sprites that came off it and all this kind of stuff. And you were like, that is a thing that you're looking at and you go, that is a cool thing. And then you saw a yeah. bunch of games do that and you're like, huh, you'd really like that Breath of the Wild game, huh? Um, yeah. But, like, every part... Like, the fact that they were collecting ingredients to cook stuff like that yep. and you're just like huh okay um it's kind of but like it feels like you're it feels like you're witnessing the start of a court case it's it's very strange it's weird it's very strange um so yeah there you go i found the quote from the polygon preview from e3 last year quote i'm not sure if what i witnessed was a game demo or an act of grand larceny ah oh, there <laughs> okay. you go that's better cool awesome um yeah. yeah that thing is that thing is wild and has it's weird it. people should go people should go and look at it because yeah. you need to kind of see it to yeah. believe it but it's... also like on top of that like i could totally play in our breath of the wild like it looked sure good. yeah it just looked so much like it you're just like okay sure um cool i think that's everything oh yeah again the control thing fuck um yeah it's not worth talking about go look that thing it's, up it's not, yeah. but the, the the short answer is like the thing that happened this week was that 
they enabled the Ultimate Edition for people who already bought the PS4 version. The thing they said they explicitly oh, okay. couldn't do. They enabled it for like six hours and then stopped oh, it again. Wow, okay. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is this confirmation that like when you said there's yeah. no possible way for us to do this, you mean financially, not technically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got you. Sure. Um, also, UFC 4 has full screen ads for Amazon shows now, which is a new thing. Great. Awesome. Um, you should go look up that that article. It's something else. Uh, cool. Okay. So what are we playing? Uh, I'm going to play the shit of Paradise Killer and finish Tell Me Why. You're going to go into I'm probably also, Kings. I'm, I'm probably also going to play Paradise Killer now. But uh, Yeah. Um, let me just very quickly... I think coming out. In, I'm checking Wikipedia as we speak. Uh, let me see. So when would we be next theoretically doing this? The 29th of September. So... September. Uh, Crisis Remastered. Nah. Serious Sam 4. Yeah. Genshin Impact. That was the name of that Chinese game that looks a lot like Breath of the Wild. Genshin That's coming out the 28th. Right. Splunky cool. 2 comes out the 29th and sure. that's kind of it um, oh, okay. it's really start of October is when things the big stuff starts to hit um, sure Star Wars Squadrons is the start of October oh yeah that thing oh no that's not the thing I thought it was never mind um, Christ there's not a lot really huh then Watch Dogs Legions at the yeah. end of October sure okay so yeah not a lot of stuff okay. so we'll be catching up with, with current stuff um, sure. I want to watch. I want to see you fuck around with Crusader Kings. So we might do something with that. I want to. <laughs> sure. I want to show off the start of Paradise Killer. So we should show that off. Okay. Uh, sure. Because um, that works. Um, yeah. Apart from that, I don't know. There's a really interesting game called. Oh God! It's it's got a, it's a huge name. What's it called? Sigma Theory Global Cold War, which is what. Sigma Theory colon Global Cold War, which I got as part of a, I got it as part of a humble bundle. It basically okay. looks like a digital board game that has kind of when you were talking about Crusader Kings as hey, you grab secrets to try and blackmail people into doing your thing. It's got it's basically that, but a board game kind of. Uh, oh, I see. With a cool okay. look. It's yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll I might fuck around with that for a little bit. Um. Oh, and I need to finish Spirit Fair. That's the other thing. Uh, yeah, everything I need to get. Cool. Uh, so, gamingstar.com is the name of the website. You can find articles, podcasts, and videos are all up there. We are on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash gamingstar. If you subscribe there, you get notified when we put videos up. Apologize for the Spirit Fair video. Um, I thought I'd set that to go live at five p.m. I set it to go live at five a.m. and then for the post <laughs> to go up five, twelve hours later. <laughs> Sorry about that, but it's now live, and you should watch that thing. That game's cool. Um, yep. we are on Facebook and Twitter if you search Gaming Start you find us there podcast at GamingStart.com is the email address and that's us stay safe and enjoy whatever you're playing and we will see you in two weeks goodbye bye bye